0: Decade Saturdays and Illegal Curve have been synonymous with one another. With insight, analysis, and interviews regarding the Winnipeg Jets, the Manitoba Moose, and all around the NHL, here are Dave Manuk, Ezra Ginsberg, and your host Drew Mandel. The Illegal Curve Hockey Show starts
1: now. This is not Drew Mandel. This is Ezra Ginsberg. Welcome to the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. The man on my right is not. Not only is he not Drew Mandel, he's not Dave Manuk. He is the one and only most handsome man in Winnipeg Sports Media. That man, of course, is Jim Toth. Jim, you're our pinch hitter. Like, it happened on New Year's Eve when I was in Mexico, Drew was in Kentucky, so you're our ace in the bullpen. So thanks so much for joining us this morning. I
2: can't believe I get another opportunity, and I was in the minors thinking this was it, but I got called to the show. I jumped on the bus, and I got here as fast as I could. So always a pleasure. Uh, Always love being on with you guys as a guest or even helping a co-host, so uh,
1: glad to be here. Thanks. And we actually have a Jets game to talk about tonight. Like, it's going to be a really long day. Like, I was talking about this last week uh, when we were doing the show. Like, 9 o'clock at night on a Saturday. I don't know if that's ever happened since the Jets came back in in 2011, but it's going to be a really long day. I caught you and Cameron talking about it on on Jets at noon. Pierre-Luc Dubois was asked about it. I thought his answer was was pretty funny. He's like, yeah, it's going to be a a long day, especially for the fans. So, game day skate today at 11 o'clock in the morning. And, uh, of course, that really normal 9 o'clock start time, Jets versus Chicago Blackhawks. The game, really, that we've all been waiting to see. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. The matchup they want. Maybe coming out of the break, the perfect matchup, because Chicago played
2: last night, and they're not that good, so it's a nice way to shake the rust off. It's such a bizarre time, and before we came to air, I I was looking at the schedule today. It's ridiculous. Like, Edmonton Oilers and Calgary Flames play at, I think, 11 a.m. Mountain Time they're both on the road and have noon and 12 30 games or, or something or 11:30 30 for the flames it's a ridiculous schedule today i, I don't uh, i don't get it at all um and and for the jets too like i love pierre Luc dubois comments yesterday it's like so you come off an 11 day break and you don't play until 9 p.m at night that doesn't make sense and it is a long one for the fans uh skylar peters at our station is a chicago blackhawks fan he's going and him and his buddies are sitting in the second deck and they what's went wrong with him games. why is he a hawks fan we got to talk about that Jim. <laughs> i don't know grew up you gotta have it i that's up to him uh he's disappointed but we were talking about this and i said you gotta pace yourself for a 9 p.m game and he's like what are you talking about and i was i've gone to vikings games and gone to a tailgate at 10 a.m for a noon game and about 11 they pushed the game to three and i'm like uh-oh huss and i look at each <laughs> we gotta pace this out here because this is a long day and I think a lot of fans will still be taking it is taking it in as you know a 7 p.m. start. You're not going to wait to go downtown till eight. Most fans, they're going to take advantage of this, and good for the businesses around the arena and everything else. But for the product itself and, and the game time for the Jets, if it was the Jets' third game back or even second game back from the break, I could see it. Um, but to make them wait till 9 p.m. to play their first game in 11 days, it's a bit ridiculous
1: to me. Yeah, there's going to be some people that are uh, you know, having some having some, some pops for sure. I think that's going to make it a little bit interesting and, you know, keep those people up until 11:30 or whatever the the game ends and, you know, we should mention that the post-game show on CJOB is going to be happening uh, right after the game, of course, and we're going to be doing our post-game. Drew's going to be tuning in uh live from Grand Forks, North Dakota, so we'll have that around, you know, 11:30, 11:45 and I think it's going to be really interesting, Jim, because, you know, I don't really know what to expect in this game, right? Like we talked about it, Chicago beat Arizona 4-3 in overtime. Okay, whoop de doo both of those teams aren't making the playoffs, but, you know, you expect, and the Jets talked about this, like they're expecting some rust. And when you're off for, you know, what was it, 11 days, 12 days, I mean, you don't expect them to necessarily score three or four goals in, in the first period, but... You got to think that, you know, the Jets are going to be putting some some rubber in the net because what is it, 14 to 3, the Jets have outscored the Blackhawks this year, 3 wins so far, and this Blackhawks team as you know just they're they're not very good, right? Like even if they keep Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves prior to the deadline, this team just isn't going anywhere. So, it might be a little bit of a slow start, but I think uh, you know, if the Jets play anything close to their A game, they should easily handle the Blackhawks on the second game of a back-to-back
2: yeah, I think it's an advantage for the first. I mean, I know Chicago played last night. They've also had a couple of games since the the all- star break. So so they're sort of firing right now or at least got their feet under them. Um, I think it's gonna be an interesting first period for sure, but in general, I mean, that that's what I'll be watching for tonight as is uh, I think if Chicago can get out to a good start and and sort of um, take advantage of the jets before they shake the rust off, you know, and then they can play out the game the next two periods. The one thing Jets have, have a hard time doing is when they don't aren't going, it's to get it going again. Um, and they've done that a lot better this year. I think there was times last year that when they couldn't, they'd lose something in the second period, they couldn't get it back all game. They do have it back. But I do think the Jets should win this game regardless. I think it'll be a very interesting first period and, and see what the rust looks like. Um, but then after that, I do think the Jets should come to life. The, the other way to look at it too is these guys haven't played in 11 days and they're itching to get back at it. Like they'll be a little bit. The the 9 p.m. start, I think, to what Dubois was saying was, you know, I'm re- ready to go. I'm itching to get at it. Now I have to wait even longer. So I think they will be rust in the first period, but then I do expect the Jets to come back. And like you said, they've been st- st- scoring a ton of goals against the Blackhawks this year.
1: Absolutely. And and obviously, you know, the majority of today's show, we're going to be joined by Sarah Orleski at 930. We're going to be previewing the Jets, Jets and Hawks game and, you know, talking about the Jets and Kraken a little bit next week. But I wanted to talk, start off, I mentioned this to you right before we went live here. I wanted to talk about the big trade between the St. Louis Blues and the New York Rangers, because I was actually found out about the trade while listening to you and Cameron Poitras on Jets at Noon on CJOB 680. Uh, you know, Frank Cervelli, I, I believe, was the first one on it. And, you know, I haven't talked to you about it, so I thought it'd be a great opportunity. It was just, you know, roughly 48 hours ago the trade happened. And, you know, I, I thought that the return for the Blues was underwhelming. And and I wanted to get your take uh, because, you know, he's a pending UFA Tarasenko. So there's obviously no guarantee that he's going to re-sign with the Rangers. So it's tough to compare the Tarasenko trade and the Horvat trade because Horvat, of course, signed the extension, right? And we don't know if if Tarasenko will, will sign the extension. But just for those who you know, forgot what the trade was. It was Vladimir Tarasenko and Nico Mikola, a defenseman, for Sammy Blay, prospect Hunter Skinner, a conditional first-round pick and a fourth-round pick. And a lot of people, I think it was Ryan Kennedy of the Hockey News pointed this out, like the Blues have made some really good late first-round picks, Tage Thompson being one of them, Robert Thomas being another one of them. I'm forgetting one there. But the Blues have had a lot of luck late in the first round, I believe Jordan Kyrie was a second rounder, Jim, if I'm not mistaken, right? So so, yeah, um, they've made some really good draft picks. The blues are a team that, you know, rarely drafts in in the top five or the top 10, because they're usually in the playoffs. Right. But going back to the trade, did you think the return was, was enough for St. Louis? And, you know, do you look at the Rangers as more of a contender now? Because I always looked at the Rangers as a contender, whenever you've got, you know, Igor Shosturkin in net, you know, Fox and Trouba on the back end and, you know, Panera and Kreider and Zabinijad up front. I mean, they're, they're a force to be reckoned with. But now you you see Tarasenko scored a goal in his first game uh, yesterday. But what did you think overall of the trade and the return? Well,
2: aside from the trade, I love that it happened because I think this will kickstart things. I, I think the New York Rangers did the right thing. And I was reading Patrick Kane's comments in Chicago yesterday where he said, you know, I, I was very disappointed that Patrick Kane publicly said about a week prior that he'll make a decision around the deadline in early March. So March 3rd is the deadline, March 1st or 2nd, if he'll get traded or not. Well, Patrick, what's the wait? You need another three weeks to decide if you want to do this. This has been on the table all season long. They asked you at training camp. They asked you at Christmas time. At Christmas time, you told them you're going to wait and see. And so his comments yesterday saying basically – you know if i'm gonna move if i decide to move the rangers is one of the teams i was looking at but they seem to have pulled the trigger on something else and it is what it is that sounded like disappointment to me i think that patrick kane would have loved to play in madison square garden if if he was going to go somewhere and play for the new york rangers and i don't blame him for that but the reason this deal i like it before i get into the intricacies of it is that it kickstarted some things i think we hear about this for this has been an earlier chat than usual Uh, around the trade deadline. And I think that often teams wait and wait and wait. And so this trade to me, what the pieces were of it as looks to me like a deal that happens on March 2nd or March 3rd. It looks to me like they've heard all their options. They've been weighing them all. Nobody's really stepping up to overwhelm us. So we're just going to pull the trigger. And uh, I didn't think they had to do that right now, but I don't know the market. Like, I don't know what they're getting offered and stuff. But to me, it's like St. Louis almost said coming out of the break, this is what we're doing. We lost five in a row going into it, and so we're just going to start. And if no, and I I would assume that they called the other people interested in Tarasenko and said, "This is what's on the table. Can you give us a, a first and a second round pick? Can you give us this prospect and and that?" And when nobody stepped up, because nobody has to right now, they're like, "Well, we've got three weeks. We'll figure it out." I think St. Louis said, "Fine, we're pulling the trigger. We're not waiting anymore." And I think it affects a ripple effect throughout the National Hockey League that it kickstarts some things. And I think it's an eye opener for the Jets. Not that I'm saying Shoval Dayoff and the crew need an eye opener, but John Shannon had a great hockey r- or Jets report on our station yesterday, where I agree wholeheartedly. And when I saw the trade, I said to Cam after the show, I go, "This is going to kickstart some things, and the Jets better be on this because if they want to get something, just pay it. Because things are only going to go up, negotiations are only going to go further. People may or may not get upset and 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 not pull the trigger or pull the trigger." Um, if the Jets want Timo Meyer and it's going to cost them mcgordy or Lucius and Haynola and a first round pick and something else, if they can sign him to a deal as part of a trade, they should do it right now because teams are going to get injured in the next two weeks. Teams are going to have something fall off where they lose three in a row and now they have to fight for a playoff spot and they might up the ante for whatever player they're looking at. So I'm not saying it's it's a ton of pressure, but I think what the deal does is put pressure on other teams to go. And and good on, good on the Rangers and good on St. Louis. These discussions have been going on for a while, and they just said, you know what, I'm not waiting anymore. And they got what they got. Now, I don't like the return for it, but in essential, look at the Rangers trade for Andrew Kopp. It was, I think it was a first-round pick, uh, Baron, Baron Morgan, Morgan Barron, sorry, and another conditional third-round pick. Um, So this, to me, kind of is the same, except the player is, no disrespect to Andrew Kopp, a much valuable player. So I think the Rangers did really well in this. And I just wonder if the St. Louis Blues are like, we could keep holding on to this. But we have to keep in mind, the people calling about Tarasenko are the same ones calling about Timo Meyer, are the same ones calling about Patrick Kane. So St. Louis is probably sitting there and going, if none of those teams want to step up, then so be it. And now the price for those players has gone up like this sort of sets the bar for Kane or Meyer, whoever. And now the teams that have those players can go, I want a little bit more because Tarasenko has gone and you're not getting him. So it's an interesting trade. I don't think it's full value, but I also am not sure that at the deadline, they could have got much more given the fact that there's some heavy names out there. So I don't mind the trade, but I love the timing of it just because as media people and fans, I think this is going to kickstart some things. And I think it puts some pressure on some other people and including Patrick Kane. Figure out what you want to do. You've had more than six months to do it. You're going to hum and haw around. And I know he controls it, but your options are going to get thinner. And so uh, I think that if you wanted to be a Ranger, he should have said, I'm open to being dealt and and give the team the the optimal time because he has final say on it. What he's done is just cut himself off at the knees and eliminated one of the teams, he if
1: he goes, wants to go to. Right. And and it's, it hasn't been a secret, right, as you mentioned, that Kane wants to go to New York, right? Like, he's from New York, so everybody knows that. But the only thing that has really changed is one team is off the board. And I, I find it hard to believe that this is a Pierre-Luc Dubois situation. And we don't know, by the way, that PLD, like, Montreal is the only team for him. I mean, the Canadians are the obvious choice for him, but with Kane, like... What about the New Jersey Devils, right? Like Newark isn't right. that far away from you know Manhattan, right? Like you hear that the Devils are are one of the teams that is that is in on, on Timo Meyer, and I think Tim the I think the issue you know just sticking with Timo Meyer, I agree with you, Jim. Like I think if you have to give up a first round pick, a, a top prospect, or possibly two top prospects to get Timo Meyer, and you have the intention of of signing him long term, I think you make that trade, right? Like is that a first round pick, as you mentioned, Vili Heinola, Chaz Lucia slash Rutger, McGrorty, like, I'm not sure. I think, like, McGrorty and Lucius are really interesting prospects. I, maybe a, a guy like Brad Lambert. You're more comfortable trading a Brad Lambert. I have no idea, but you're not going to get Timo Meyer in a one-for-one situation. It's going to be a draft pick. It's going to be at least one prospect, if not two prospects. I think the problem with the Jets is that there are probably three, four, five other teams that really want Timo Meyer, right? Like, we mentioned the Devils. We mentioned the Hurricanes. Like... I, there, there's got to be other teams that want him as well, right? So I, I, maybe Vegas is in on him. I don't know if they can make that happen with their cap situation because Mark Stone, we know, isn't coming back until at the very least the playoffs, right? So I think right now Jets fans are really, uh, you know, honing in on, on Timo Meyer. I think you know you just have to take it with a grain of salt though because of the fact that you know he is number one on the trade date, trade bait board for a reason right? Like this is a point per game player. This is a very dynamic player, right? He's big. Yeah, he's, he's got physicality to his game. He's exactly what the Jets need, right? Like they need a big scoring winger. And, and they he's got need
2: some, some grit. Like, like as I mean, the one thing, like I've heard James Van Riemsdijk name out there too. And some people might balk at that, 33 years old, doesn't have a ton of points. He's just a 20, 25 goal scorer now. But what has Rick Bonus consistently said he wants from his team? Go to the net, greasy goals. That's why people love Timo Meyer because he can do way more than that. But the one thing Van Riemsdyk can do is be tough in front of the net, go to the net. That's where he gets all his twenty, twenty-five goals. And so I don't mind that as a, a lesser expense. Here's the issue with Timo Meyer, though. If I'm Timo Meyer and I'm looking at New Jersey and um, some of the other teams that are Carolina interested in my services, I'm looking to sign a long-term deal. I believe his agent said, "Look, he knows he's going to get ten million in arbitration." But he understands he's not going to get $10 million a year in a long-term contract. So I take that as he's more than willing to sign an extension if, if he likes the team he's going to for seven to eight years at probably eight and a half, maybe nine. I don't know. But So he gets that. The problem with the Jets is if I'm Timo Meyer, I look at Carolina, I look at New Jersey, I think they're going to be good for the next five years. If I look at the Jets, I don't know if Mark, Pierre-Luc Dubois, Mark Scheifele, Connor Hellebuck, or Blake Wheeler are going to be there a year from now and say what you want about Blake Wheeler. Fine. I don't care. The point to this is, is three players from the top six might not be there. And one of them for sure in a year from now. So then who am I playing with if I sign for seven years? And so that's a decision that I think that you're going to have to convince him to come. Now he did play junior hockey in Halifax with um, Nick Ehlers, but that's the, the Timo Meyer angle of it. From the Jets' angle of it, that's the other problem. They can't sign free agents. But the one thing they can do is re-sign players they have. So if they get Timo Meyer here and sign him on a long-term deal, I think you have to ship out the McGordy or the Lucius, the Heinola, the first-round pick. But Jets fans have to keep in mind, those are all assets that the Jets have been able to keep. Those are all assets that the Jets, once they develop, they've been able to re-sign long-term. We can go through the list. Connor, Ehlers shifley wheeler hellebuck morrissey all signed six-year deals after some elcs or a bridge so you're not only trying to get a player here and sign them long term so i don't do it as a rental you have to have him sign that because you're sending out the players that you know in two to three years you can keep for another three or four because they're homegrown and they've come up through the system it's a huge risk to send those players out when you're a winnipeg franchise knowing you can't sign free agents, and the only way you've been able to keep good players is by bringing them up through your system. If you send three number one picks out of your system three years from now, you're not going to be able to sign free agents, you can't sign those guys off their ELCs, and if Dubois and Shifley aren't here, you're in a lot of trouble. So that's a different situation than New Jersey can send all the prospects they want. They're still going to be good in five years. Carolina can do the same. Those are the teams I think that that'll be well because they can sign free agents as well as you know Meyer. So it's an interesting situation. I do it in a heartbeat if I can get them totally. to sign the deal. If they if he doesn't sign as part of this trade, then I don't I don't send those pieces out because those are the pieces I just know that I can I can re-sign and have for six years as opposed to sending them out and a year from now potentially having three guys out of my top
1: six. And nothing coming up the pipe. Yeah. And thanks for tuning in to the Legal Curve Hockey Show. I'm Ezra Ginsburg, hosting for Drew Mandel, who is down in the United States of America. So is Dave Manook. And I am joined on the right of the screen by Jim Toth of 6, 680, CJOB, the Jim Toth Show. And Jets at noon, and we have a Jets game day. It's the Jets and Chicago Blackhawks at the very normal 9 o'clock Central start time. Again, tonight's game between the Jets and the Blackhawks, 9 o'clock Central. We have a game day skate at 11 o'clock this morning. So unfortunately, we're going to be going right off the air when the Jets uh, drop the puck. But we'll have all your updates on illegalcurve.com and, of course, on CJOB 680. And we're going to be joined by Sarah Orleski shortly. One other thing, Jim, I wanted to mention about the St. Louis Blues and talking about Vladimir Tarasenko and Timo Meyer and everything like that. What about a guy like, and, and we're going to get into the, the trade stuff, you know, in the second hour of the show as well, but how high are you on Ivan Barbashev? That's a guy that I know Weber has has really liked for the Jets. You probably only have to give up like a, a third or fourth round pick. I'm not sure if if that'll get it done. Do you have to trade a second round pick maybe? I don't think you're going to have to give up a first rounder, but... Do you think that's a guy that, that the Jets you know could or should be interested in? Do you think that's enough? Because obviously Barbashev is not in the same class as, as Timo Meyer.
2: No, and, and so this is what I think as I think the Jets are gonna go big game hunting. I think they're gonna try on the Meyer. I think they're gonna look at the Ryan O'Reilly and all the big pieces, even Patrick Kane. Like people laugh at me for that. But I'm like, if the options run out for Patrick Kane and you can acquire him, and Chevaldev gets on the phone with one of his former players and says, Hey, we know you're leaving in free agency. Uh, we understand you might not want to sign here long term. That's fine. But come play in this top six for the, the remaining 20 games and go into the playoffs in this top six and on the power play and just put up some numbers. Um, I, I could see, you know, that, I'm not saying it could, but I think they'll go big game hunting. What I really think they'll do is the Barbashev's, is the Nick Richie's in Arizona is that they're going to augment that bottom six. We, we like the bottom six better than last year. We think it's more dip. But Gustafson's hurt, the fourth line. If you could bring in some pieces like a Nick Ritchie or, a, or um, uh, what we were just talking about, uh, even Van
1: Riemsdyk, like People laugh at Van Riemsdyk, but I'm like, what do they need? They need scores to goals. Go to the net. I mean, yeah, James Van Riemsdyk might be you know in the last two or three years of his career, but the guy scores goals. That's what he does. And and the price is right. So Barbashev, I think they'd be interested in. I think Nick
2: Ritchie. I think those are the moves we're going to kind of see this team do because it's not going to cost you too much. The other thing that Jets fans need to remember is, and I just r- was reminded this yesterday, is they don't have a second, fourth, and sixth round pick. So if you go big game hunting with Timo Meyer, you're picking in the third round now. And then, you know, you've also shipped out McGordy, Chaz Lucius, Billy Hainola, So that's a lot of lot of first missing on the draft going into this. So I do see potentially, you know, a third-round pick or maybe a, a – well, they don't have a third, but uh, – or no, a fourth. So I could see a third-round pick and maybe one next year and maybe Jansen Harkins who needs a, a new life um, for a Barbashev or for a James Van Reemsdyke. And you just add some depth to it. But the one thing that stands out to me when I'm hearing these names and I'm looking at it is Rick Bonus has consistently said, I need some greasy goals. I want us to go to the net. And those are the guys that do it. The Barbashev's, the Van Riemsdyk. And I think we can also look at the stats from those guys this year and, and even Nick Ritchie and go, yeah, but you put them in this top six or you put them on this third line with Lowry and they have different stats, right? Um, so I, I think that that's what they end up doing. I think they definitely look at the Meyer and stuff. And, and I was in on the Horvat, I, I was the one who a couple of weeks ago said, You know what? If you could get these guys to resign or just get them here, maybe you risk it and then go into the off season. You start with Dubois, who wants eight and a half million? You don't? Okay, Shifley, do you want eight and a half million? You want more? We can't do it. Horvat, you want eight and a half million? He took it in New York. I wonder if Meyer would do that. Meyer, you want to come here and play in this? But the, the thing that stands out to me about Meyer is just that, like, I think Meyer would love playing here. And especially with Nick Ehlers, his junior teammate. And, and I think he'd like the environment. And I think he'd love this. But it's a different story if there's no Dubois Shifley down the middle. And Wheeler's. you know, Wheeler is, is uh, as much as I defend him, he's he's going to be done in a year. And if he does get another contract, it's probably you know a a one or two year deal at maybe two to three million, and it's to play in the top nine, not the top six. So if I'm Timo Meyer, I look at the Devils, I look at Carolina, I look at teams like that that I'm like these guys are going to be good for the next four to five years. I think the Jets are really good now. I just don't know what they're going to be. So that's why I think the Barbashev's are on the radar for sure. The Nick Richies, even the Van Riemsdyk, and and when I say that, I think you could get Van Riemsdyk for what a second pick and Harkins. Like, what are you going to get? And and it just and then you still have your McGordy's, your Luciuses. that if, you know, Scheifele and Dubois leave, then you move Perfetti to the middle and you got to make another trade. Maybe Richie's here and he moves from the third line up to the second. There's pieces you can make this work with. It's not as dynamic as without Scheifele and Dubois, but it's really hard in my opinion. Sheveldaev's got job 1A, which is making this team win a Stanley Cup this year. And then 1B, very close, is what does this team look like next year? And then the other thing is, is if they do pull a trade-off, as then you've got to deal those two guys in the offseason.
1: And you build around with what that return is. Absolutely. And as Pierre Lebrun mentioned on TSN Insider Trading, it was either yesterday or a couple of days ago, uh, he expects Timo Meyer to be traded well before the March 3rd trade deadline. Yeah. We're going to head to break now, Jim. We've got Sarah Lesky coming right up. So we're going to pay some bills, and then we will be right back on the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. It's Ez and the big rig. Welcome back to the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. It helps if I'm unmuted. Joined by Jim Toth of 680 CJOB Radio, Winnipeg Jets game day, Jets and Chicago Blackhawks at the very normal 9 o'clock Central Time. We've got a Jets game day skate coming up at 11 o'clock. So we might be able to, you know, talk a little bit about Jets game day skate. We started a little bit late, Jim. But without further ado, we are going to be joined right now by the one and only if I can figure this out. Here we go. There we go. Sarah, there's Sarah. I've never hosted a legal curve before, Sarah. So there we go. Winnipeg Jets host and senior producer, Sarah Orleski. Sarah, thanks so much for joining us today.
3: Oh, uh, thanks for having me. Oh, well. There we oh go. Oh, no. Am I still here? <laughs> Sorry, you've never... you yeah. Okay, perfect. I grabbed my toque because I noticed it'sday two. on
1: we have a theme term. yeah we have yeah. a theme it is it, is it is it's national toque day it isn't i don't know if it is but yeah i was gonna I, I, I was actually thinking of showing my flow but i mean to go like flow to flow with jim is like you're just everyone's gonna lose point. that right and and so i just i went with the fireball to it's the it's only
2: reason a- it's the only reason i wore a toque today was to help protect you that and it's 9 a.m
3: We know it's been the case for years, right? Everyone knows in Winnipeg Media,
1: you can't compete with Jim's flow. Can't compete with the flow, can't compete with the mustache when it's November.
3: You can't. So that's why, but I was thrilled. So I logged on early to be able to listen to the beginning of the show, of course. And then as soon as I saw it, I thought, this is my dream morning for it. (laughs) Being able to wear, anyone who knows that, especially, I mean, all my years on the CFL sidelines, I love a good toque and not wanting also to do my own hair um so early in the morning i thought this is you guys are speaking my language i love it
2: it makes sense if it was the summer it'd be a backwards hat it's winter so it's took day here we go
1: here Absolutely. we go yeah and obviously sarah we want to get into the jets hawks game i don't know about you but it seems like it's been like three months since the the jets have played but before we get into the game how was your break? Did you, you know, go somewhere warm? How did you spend it? Are you very, very excited to get back to, you know, the last 30 games of the regular season? I am.
3: I'm also, I apologize as my, I think my camera keeps moving too. I was telling you um, in the break that I was, I keep trying to adjust. so when I agreed to do this, I wasn't thinking about the fact that my whole family would be still asleep right now. And I've been told on many occasions that I'm very loud and so it's not appreciated by people first thing in the morning so I kept trying to move around my house to try to find a spot where I won't wake everybody. Um, the the break was great. It does seem like it's been forever. I actually had to go back through and look at what all the line combinations were in the St. Louis game because I wasn't remembering it because it feels like so long ago but um it's a bit of a sore spot i mean i didn't i don't know if you can tell um from how pale i am uh, i obviously did not go any place warm during the break but it's um with a with a daughter that's 13 and in school and um, my husband and i are also coaching her basketball team there was no going away for the break we were certainly we were here in the city for every day
1: Okay, so I have one more question before we get into the Jets and Blackhawks. How is the volleyball team doing this year?
3: Oh, they're doing well. So the volleyball, so Club Volleyball started, uh, which we're a huge volleyball family. Actually, where's are out, want to give a little uh, shout out, we're out at the Bison's uh, games last night which we are regular attendees at and so if people are watching I mean you cannot beat going out and see them. and love to see more support for university sports whether that be Bisons or Westman um, but but volleyball is going really well and our basketball team is off to a 2-0 and start don't want to start to brag but
2: it's all you know, coaching it's
1: always it, you coaching.
3: know i um, it's. Such, I often say that to Rick Bonus, and I think I'm going to start to say that as well. It's obviously the coaching. Yes,
1: 100. I agree. Okay, Jets Blackhawks tonight, nine o'clock. Again, really normal nine o'clock start time. I think we're going to get used to having hockey games at Saturday at nine o'clock. It's going to be a very long day for everybody, especially uh, you know those covering it, myself included, <laughs> and all of us included. Um. You know, a lot of the discussion this week, only two practices, but a lot of the discussion centered around there, so obviously, you know, the longer practices and, you know, the fact that everyone's expecting there to be a little bit of rust, especially, you know, in, in the first period. What are you expecting with tonight's game? Because Chicago obviously played last night. They beat Arizona in overtime. You were mentioning we're expecting the lines to stay relatively the same. Uh, we found out that both David Gustafson and Dylan DeMello mm-hmm. didn't skate with the main group. They skated uh, on their own, so the lineup should look fairly similar to the game against St. Louis before the break, right? I'm not sure, you know, if we know if it's going to be, you know, Sam Gagne or, or Saku on on that fourth line because there were some different line combinations. But what are your kind of, uh, you know, macro level expectations for tonight's game against the Hawks?
3: I won't be surprised if we see a sloppy first. <laughs> Rusty first, sloppy, like choose whichever word you want for it. Won't shock me. Um, but then I think that we'll see them get into it. I mean, the Blackhawks, obviously third game in five days, that sort of thing. So I think that um, they'll have been able to shake some of the rust off. But they did play last night. Just having, And you mentioned the 9 p.m. start. I am sure for some people... That is great news. Did you know, we, I heard you guys talk about how rowdy it might be. That's, um, yeah, it could be. 9 p.m. start, local starts are cruel for, for those of us that have to work the and for those of us that like to go to sleep early, so um, I think we'll see rest in the beginning, but I'm really looking forward to seeing this Jets group over these final 30 games and seeing how they come out of this. This is a game, obviously, that um, when you look on paper, they have won their three previous ones. With everything about Chicago, this is a game that they should win, and I'm looking to see how quickly the Jets are able to get back into it. They've had energetic practices, so I think these guys feel refreshed. They're ready to go, and i um, looking forward to
2: seeing it tonight along those lines of rest sarah um and rust uh with the the big break is mason appleton who's been off for even longer than the break that we've all just experienced and the rest of the jets have for sure what do you expect from him and how has he looked at practice
0: uh he's
3: looked he's looked good i think mean, anxious to get going And the you know well the player break came at a perfect time for so many others if it was up to Mason, I'm sure that the player break wouldn't have happened right then so that he could have gotten back into it. But we've heard Rick Bonus say that. They're planning to really ease him back in to monitor those minutes. He hasn't played in three months. And know that coming back in in the middle of February is different than coming back in in November, the beginning of December. In terms of the intensity level, it keeps getting ratcheted up. So they've done a good job of integrating injured players back into the lineup throughout this season. Um, But I think that he will be a benefit to being able to provide some stability to that Lowry line that we've often seen change um, over the course of the season just due to injuries. We know what he can bring on the penalty kill as well and I really liked what we were seeing from that Lowry line several months ago when, when he was on it so we know the chemistry that those two can have and I think he'll be a good addition to
1: this group. We are joined on the Illegal Curve Hockey Show by Winnipeg Jets host and senior producer Sarah Orleski, a former colleague of ours uh, at TSN. We were talking about, you know, the big, uh, you know, the two-year anniversary. It wasn't a good uh, two-year anniversary, but Jim and I were were talking about it and how there really still hasn't been closure for us with uh, what happened uh, a couple years ago. We won't get into that, Sarah, but it's good to talk to you. And closure in the now, media, of course, is going for beers. We haven't gone for beers since <laughs> exactly. Happened. That's what we're talking that's, about. That's we, need, we need to, to go for beers. <laughs> so, so, if we go and get Westy and the old gang back, Sarah, then you know, Brandon and Drew and Dave, everybody, Hass, Remus, uh, we will definitely invite you. It might be we might have to rent out like a private room or something, Jim. If we get everybody, there might be like twenty-five or thirty people, right? but uh, I'm still... Yeah, I guess. But we've been talking about that for a while is that it? Just we've, we've always wanted to get the band back together,
2: so to speak, and and uh, do it in the summer and and just, you know, get back together because you see everybody every day for so long and then it just ends abruptly like that. But um, I'm sure we will. It's just been a matter of the pandemic and everything else. So we've got to get Huss back from Vegas for the Super Bowl and get into the summer and I think we'll all do it. And of course, Sarah will be invited and not just because we'll slip her the bill at the end of the night. <laughs>
3: The key is always to be the first one to leave. Yeah. <laughs> you make an appearance, you wait till everyone orders that next round, and then you say, Unfortunately, gotta get going. Here's here's my section.
1: See, that's a veteran the... move from a veteran mm-hmm. broadcast. Irish the Irish goodbye. I can say that by the way, because I, I am Jewish, but I'm also a quarter Irish. My mum's grand, my my grandfather, my mom's dad was Irish, so I can say Irish goodbye and there's no negative connotation right um let's get back to the the Jets and the Blackhawks though because we we talked about Dylan DeMello and we talked about uh, David Gustafson uh, before he came on Sarah and you know and with you as well and you know DeMello is a guy that obviously you know plays big minutes for the Jets but that means you know that Dylan Sandberg is going to be a guy that you know has another opportunity in the lineup especially with Billy Hainala you know now not uh, up with the Jets he's with the boost right so um, just wanted to ask you, um, you know, about the trade deadline, it's a big focus. It's roughly three weeks, I think just, uh, three weeks less a day before the trade deadline. And obviously there's a lot of names out there. I mean, I'm sure that you've seen all the names out there, but you know, if you're looking at, at this jets team, like where, where do you see the jets augmenting the decor as well as bringing in a forward or two? Like I, I look at, you know, defense for me, maybe it's cause I played defense for, you know, uh community club hockey. No, I'm just joking, but I think that, you know, D- defense is always something that you're looking to bring in, you know, more depth, especially this time of year.
3: Absolutely, I mean, you think about any team that goes on a deep run in the postseason that beyond. What you see up front, it always seems to be the blue line that they have to go deep into the well to be able to utilize. Because rarely do you see it be, oh, we only use seven defensemen on a, on a deep run. It's always a lot more. So I think that depth there is something that they'll always, that a team will always look for. I mean, Kevin Sheveldaff spoke about that at the midway point of of the season really talking about, look at all of the, you know, people talk about, oh, well, they've got too much depth and that's the trade pieces. And so look at how many players we've utilized on that blue line because of whether it be injuries or trying to shake things up. And so it's, it's something that I think they'll always um, look for if the possibility is there to add, but then same thing. Um The same thing up front, I think that that's obviously an area that a lot of people have keyed in on in your top six. And I'd love to, I'm very intrigued to see what um, this organization does and this management group does in terms of um, adding pieces, puzzle for it. I'd love to see, I think, Jim, you had mentioned earlier, uh, you know, adding a piece also that's got some grit, uh, a player that's got some grit to him. And I think that when you look at the postseason, those are the types of players that often come in and make a contribution um, on those winning teams. And I think that this is an exciting Jets team that has, exceeded external expectations. Certainly don't think anybody would have anticipated outside of the group that they would be in this position right now. So there's, there's a lot of things to consider. They do have cap space. We do know what contract situations are like going forward as well. And I think that when you see the way that they've been playing, that um, there's the potential for, for some very intriguing add ons. Um in additions to this group by shovel Dayoff and the management team
2: and along the lines of the storylines of what they might be looking for and what they might be adding. I'm, I'm wondering what you think, Sarah, this team needs to maybe do as the hockey gets tougher. Now as the last 30 games comes along, I, I think it's a team and a roster that, that has done a good job of being more consistent, but I think that's something they want to work on during the, mm-hmm. the stretch drive here as well. But I'm wondering what, like I, the reason I brought up those names is I keep hearing Rick bonus talk about grit and greasy goals. Um, we know this team is skilled. What do you what do you look at this team and, and the success they've had this year? What do you sort of look over the next 30 games and, and say, well, this is probably something they would want to do or want to work on uh, in order to solidify that playoff
3: position? I think absolutely the consistency that you talk about, and we've seen. You know, it's funny because they'll go through. We've seen them obviously in before the break, a big win against. Um St. Louis, but we've seen them have times where you know they've dipped down and their level of play um hasn't been what fans are are wanting to see, and I think that's inevitable when you have an eighty two game schedule that you're going to see you're going to see it, but I think that people also have to remember that this is um that there's a lot of work that has been done with in this group for it and it's not something that's going to change overnight and we and so getting that consistency going isn't something that you can just turn the switch on on game one or game five and say okay well any of the you know problems that we had last year just disappear because it's a new face here that sometimes especially if there are some struggles on the ice that old habits sometimes creep back in and i think that that's just human nature with it. so looking at this group it's how do they rebound from from some of those? how do they get that consistency going? because if they're going to play well into may and they're going to make a deep run like what we saw in 2018, that's what they need. they need to be able to find that and they have talent i think that um, this management group will obviously look to add to it, but that to me is the biggest thing. Do we see them continue to do the buy-in, continue to improve a little bit more every day? And I feel ridiculous saying it because we are the uh, kings and queens of saying you know th- 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 we don't want to hear cliches, and it is such a cliche. We just need to get a little bit better every day. <laughs> but... Um, but it is true for it. And I think that if we st- if we see that as they um that consistency come in, that this has the potential to be such an exciting team in the postseason. They're an exciting team this year in the regular season. And I just think that um you add a little bit more in and, and you get a few more games under their belt, and this could be an incredibly exciting spring for it. And we know there is no better time for um for a hockey been in the spring and particularly in this city we all remember what the atmosphere is like
1: absolutely there's going to be a lot of white around that dale howarchuk statue for sure we're joined by our good friend sarah Olesky on the illegal curve hockey show with my co-host the very handsome jim toth filling in for <laughs> dave Manuk and drew Mendel, who are currently uh, on vacation <laughs> in the united states of america and i wanted to just uh can I that. just say
3: that I love that you that you clarify, like you do the full name, that they're in the United States of America. They're I love not it. in the US. I not, like that. They're too. both in the United States of America.
1: Absolutely. You gotta say the full thing. It's a little bit long, but yeah, I gotta say it. I could have said the US. You're absolutely right. I could go Etazuni, right? I graduated with a French Immersion diploma from Kelvin, so I could say you know Etazuni. Um, with my absolutely with horrible, horrible Anglophone accent. <laughs> <Yeah>.
2: <laughs> if they go to Europe, don't say oh they went overseas. Go, they went
1: to the uh, county of Susa in yeah. France or something like that. Drew likes to remind us his wife is from Kentucky, right? So he likes to remind us that it's the Republic of of Kentucky. And, and when it starts <laughs> getting into that, I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. Isn't it just Kentucky? Like, and so Drew says it's a, a republic. So we got to say, you know, do what Drew says. I, I love guess. It. But, um, You know, just picking up on, on what you said before, right? Like the Jets are comfortable. in in second place and you know Minnesota has been kind of middling a little bit and and Colorado obviously didn't play very well against the Tampa Bay Lightning I think it was 5-0 the other night Tuesday night or or Wednesday night but you if you look at where this team is right now in the standings and further to your point I mean you're always looking to get better and the Jets would love to finish first and you know leapfrog Dallas and, and get the home ice advantage but when you're talking about where they are right now where this team is and the last eight or nine games before the break, probably starting with that Arizona game. Like I guess in a long winded way, Sarah, I look at the jets and, you know, I think that they match up well against any team in the first round. Mm -hmm. And I think going back, I think sometimes, you know, in, in Winnipeg, we're afraid to, you know, talk and, and, you know, play up Connor Hellebuck. But the way I look at whether or not you're playing, like if the jets play the wild, if they play the avalanche, the stars, whoever, I still think that they're going to have a huge advantage in net. And that's what it all comes back to for me. The Jets' top six, you have a lot of point-per-game players there. The top six is just as good as most teams, um, but you've got the ace in in Connor Hellebuck. And, you know, to me, that's, you know, what is the, always the most important thing is the way he's playing, especially once you get closer to the playoffs.
3: Absolutely. Uh, you know, you often hear the narrative ears of, well, they rely too much on Connor Hellebuck. And I always think back to Dennis Bayak. Like, well, he gets a paycheck too. I mean, what is this? You know, you, you while well, we rely too much on him. Well, he's a focal point of this team. You should, I am now not saying we need to make it difficult on him every night, but but I mean, he is he is an ace for this team. So you use it to your advantage that you have someone um of his caliber in net. But I think that we haven't always seen in the postseason, we haven't always seen the best from Hellebuck, like what we have in the regular season. I think it's always led to questions about whether or not, you know, does fatigue start to set in a little bit with the number of games that he's played in the past. I think he's looked great, obviously another all-star year so far. He's looked great um, this season and he is going to be the key. Every series, what can be the difference if he steals you a game? where he steals too, and maybe, you know, you run into a, a hot goalie or the goals don't come on a certain game, but so he is going to be key, but I also think that he needs to have, um, the run support for there. You can't be looking at um, only scoring, say a goal um, in a game and expecting in the seven game series for him to be able to still you. He's not scoring the goals as well, even though he has tried um, in recent games for it, but he is, he's an absolute difference maker. I think that you look at his numbers this year. Um, how great would it be if you're able to go into a series with him feeling good with David Riddick, feeling good when you need to call upon him to be able to, help out and uh, yeah, to be able to have Hellebuck steal you a game or two in the playoffs is what often I think we see as a difference maker with the teams that go deep or the teams that eventually win. They have a goalie that steals them
1: games here and there. Sorry, Sarah, before Jim asked you a question, I don't know if you saw the comment there uh, about Jake Ottinger. (laughs) Yes, I should, I should mention Jake Ottinger is a great goalie. When you're talking about those four teams, the Avalanche, the Wild, the Stars, Ottinger is a great goalie, but I think most people would still take, again, it's not a, you know, uh, a direct comparison, but I'll I'll still take Connor Hellebuck over Jake Ottinger just simply based on his experience in the in the playoffs and the Vesna Trophy. So, just wanted to mention that Ottinger is a fantastic goalie, top ten probably in the league. But when you're talking about Hellebuck, he's probably one or two. First, sure, yeah. yeah, yeah.
2: I, I like what you said about Dennis Bayek, like it, Connor Halbaugh gets a paycheck too. And I, I, I've had that struggle with some fans who reach out and said, well, so-and-so gets all his points on the power play. And I'm like, yeah, the power play is a part of hockey and it wins and loses you games. As we've seen in, in this year, it's okay Absolutely. to get most of your points on the power play as long as the power play is working. Same with the penalty kill. Like he's just a penalty killer. Well, yeah, that's part of the game and, and that's that's how they win games. I wanted to ask you, Sarah, I had this conversation with a listener who reached out via email last night and um, brought up some really good points. He disagreed with me that this is the best roster we've seen in 11 years. He said the 2018 Mm -hmm. roster was, and when they went to Vegas, he said they got out goalied. And I I agree with that. I thought they they did get, um, it wasn't that Hellebuck was weak in that series in 2018. But I countered him with the points that the fact that Hellebuck's a better goalie than he was in 2018 (laughs) overall, and that doesn't mean that he was bad then. It just means he's obviously gotten better as the years have gone by. The fact that Shifley's better, the fact that Josh Morrissey's better. uh, We could go down the roster. I think this is the best roster and the best chance this team has had in the 11 years to win the Cup. It's the deepest and it's the most talented. And I think a lot of people look at it and go back to 2018 and say, well, this that roster was good because Bufflin and Myers were here and all that stuff. But I think what people forget often in hockey is Players get better. I think Josh Morrissey has mentioned that to me this year mm-hmm. when we've had him on the show where he said, I think a lot of times people forget that every summer we're working on getting better that just because we made the NHL and got a huge contract, it doesn't mean we can't get better at 26, 27, 28 years old. So I wanted to ask you that, like comparing the 2018 roster to this one. And, and there were some, some stars on that team for sure. Is this the best roster in the 11 years and the, the best chance? I'm not saying it's a guaranteed Stanley cup winner. But I do believe that this is the Jets' best chance, and, and looking to augment it as well, to do some damage in the playoffs.
3: Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know whether or not I'd have to go back and think. Look, it's 9.57 in the morning, Jim. I mean, throwing <laughs> out the 2018 roster.
2: And, and before you I answer mean, that question, can you run down that roster and
1: who is with the moose at that time? Exactly. Thank you. Line combinations, everything. So I'm sitting,
3: I've only had one coffee. You need to at least have two before you take me back. I just told you I had to go back and look at the line, what the lines were. Sarah, Jim me. just
1: wants to talk about Maddie Perot. That's really what this is about. No, um, I, I want to bring this up because I
2: like no, you mentioned, fair. we're
1: kings and queens of this
2: in Winnipeg. We're also the kings and queens of waiting for the other shoe to drop all the time. We always, no matter how good a team does in this city, we're always sort of waiting for, yeah, but... And then and I'm just I just think that if you look at Hellebuck alone and the goalie he's become since 2018 is this is a better roster just because the players that were on it have gotten better.
3: Yeah, I don't. I mean, if to go back, I mean, that blue line in particular you look at in 2018 um, at that time. I really liked, which I don't think that they necessarily have the same sort of pieces that they do now on it. But I do think that when you look across the landscape of the West right now, you have, um, I think this is a good opportunity for the Winnipeg Jets. And certainly the player, I mean, Ehlers is a better player now. Shifley, Connor, you can go down the list, Hallibuck as well. And Josh Morrissey with the season that he has had uh, goes without saying. For it. But I think that just when you look across the landscape of the West, that this is one where you think, okay, the opportunity could be there for the Jets to go deep as well. That, that maybe they're not, um, they're not at least right now. When you look at it, running into the same sort of or potentially running the same sort of roadblocks, and you think, I mean, Dallas would be a great um, challenge if they face them at some point in the in the postseason for it but I do think that this is that this is an opportunity more so I for me when you look at the landscape of the west for it um to be able to make that to be able to make that deep run
1: right
2: yeah and that's a valid point too like the defense Andrew. I think was was pretty deep I I remember talking to Ryan McGill who was an assistant coach with Vegas and I after the the loss in in the sixth game and I said, what did you think? And he goes, honestly, I, I think that you got out goalied. I think Marc-Andre Fleury mm-hmm. was, was better than Hellebuck. And he said, but I think Hellebuck's going to be a, a really, really great goalie. And then he said, the other thing is, is I think Dustin Bufflin is a game changer. And I think he ran out of gas in that series. Those were the two reasons he thought that Vegas beat the Jets. And that was probably an hour after they had beaten them. And, and so the blue line is different too. I just, I think often in hockey, much like we overlooked, a goaltender needing to win you 10 or 12 games in a season yeah. or, or a power play to win you 10 or 12 games. I think we often overlook that as players grow, they get better and they get stronger and they get smarter on the ice. And so I, I just think when, when I was hearing that from one of our listeners that I, I think that a lot of people with this team, and maybe it's because of predominantly the same roster going through what they went through last year, waiting for the other shoe to drop. And I just sort of see this team in a different fashion. I see that, you know, not that they don't have work to do and not that that room can't be, you know, a little fragile at times still, but they have this sort of core of of, of players that have developed, gotten better, and matured on and off the ice to the point where I think fans should believe in this year's roster.
3: Oh, I think they absolutely should believe in this roster. There's, there's no doubt about that. And don't take my comments as... Um, as not believing in it. I think that when you see what they've done, the talent has always been there. That's never, There's a reason right. why going into every season over the last several years that, you know, the prognosticators always selected the Jets as being one of the top, you know, one or two teams in in the NHL, or in Canada, one of the teams that is, what's going to, who's going to be the first Canadian team to end the Stanley Cup drought? There's There's a reason why, people would always choose winnipeg was because the talent that they have you look at that elite talent we didn't see them put it together last year i think we are seeing it this year and they're buying in and there's just i've said this i'm sure i've said this on here before and many people that cover this team i'm sure have said it on your on your show but this is, there is a different feeling around this team and this room than what we have seen in the past. And I've, I've covered the team since day one for it, that this is just, there is, and I'm not saying that, um you know, that everything is, that everything is perfect in there and that this is the year they're going to win the cup, but there's just, there is a different feeling around there. I think this is a very likable team. I think this is a hardworking team and this is This is a team that people can get excited about. They play, they don't play a boring brand of hockey. (laughs) We know the talent that that they have, and there's a lot to be excited about with the group,
1: for sure. I agree with you 100%. And you know, when you think about you know guys like Nikolai Ehlers, Josh Morrissey, uh, Kyle Connor. Yeah, like that's why I put that. I thought that would that would make you chuckle, Sarah. Uh, before we let you go, though, I mean you're you're not covering the Bombers anymore for TSN. You work for the Jets, but I know that you're still going to be watching Super Bowl Fifty Seven. So I was going to you know get into that uh, you know obviously later with Jim and get his prediction because I know he's a huge Eagles fan. Just kidding. Um, but Sarah, Super, <laughs> Super Bowl Fifty Seven, you got the Kansas City Chiefs, Chiefs and the Philadelphia Eagles. I guess, what is your prediction and also what Rihanna song are you most forward to, uh, looking forward to hearing?
3: Well, I have, so as I mentioned, I have, I have a daughter, she's 13. She's most excited about, despite my best attempts to get her um, to become a diehard football fan. I'm not there yet with it, but she is a halftime show fan. So Rihanna is going to be a huge hit <laughs> um, in our house. So, you know, that's a great question. Probably something with... Um, I don't know. I like old, or her older stuff. I don't know. Umbrella, is that? Is that really? that's, yeah, that's like a little, like mid-2000s. A little known yeah.
2: fact that Sarah's a big NWA fan, and then that's when True. she stopped. Really evolving for music, she's still listening to them. And...
3: Yes, that's exactly it. You know, Jim, yeah. we've had that discussion before. I'm just <laughs> stuck in it, and I can't your, believe that your you passion
2: ask... for NWA often comes up in our <laughs> yeah, it just, yeah. It comes I up often, it, yeah, weekly. I, I would say
3: it regularly, exactly. In the in the press box, that's always what I'm doing. Jim, Try to... the
2: life lessons NWA has taught me are <laughs> I, often during intermissions, is what we talk about.
3: um But I do uh, I love that you're asking to NFC North um dire, about this game of the pain that both of us have experienced this season for it I, I'm gonna go Eagles though although I I feel it's tough to go against Mahomes I'm oh sorry my dog's oh, not happy
2: that I dog's haven't won the dog, dog going, is the first one up Sarah no one dog's a Chiefs fan
3: for it yeah exactly he goes well, how are you going against Mahomes um no I'm gonna go Eagles for the one
1: Interesting. Yeah. I, I, you know what? I, I don't, I'm not, I'm obviously a big hockey guy. I'm not as big of an NFL guy, more of a CFL guy. Uh. I, so I don't have a rooting interest there, but I mean, I, I feel like I'm rooting for the chiefs just for Hus because he's in Vegas. True. And he's obviously the biggest Kansas city fan. He loves the Royals. He loves the chiefs. So I think I'm going, you know, with the chiefs, but I am actually more interested in, in the halftime show as well. And one of the other songs I was going to throw out, that's a classic is uh diamonds or, don't stop the music. There's so many. We found love. Ponder replay. We've got up there. Umbrella, as you mentioned. So I'm really excited. Probably. Wow. So I'm, I'm picking Rihanna for the Super Bowl 57. What if Jay Z with. came
3: out with her? They could do Run. Oh, wow, that the, would this be town. controversial. Oh. Well, yeah. Beyonce doesn't need him to go out
1: with her. That's true. Beyonce
3: can yeah. do this on her own.
2: We can't so, stop the Rihanna. music. I didn't even know that was her song. That's an amazing song. See, that's why I'm going to be watching. I'm going to be like, how old am I that I know all these songs but had no idea Rihanna sang
1: them?
3: <laughs> That's my issue all the time too, Jim. I yeah.
1: absolutely love it. Yeah. Sarah, uh, thank you so much for joining us. Sarah Orleski, Winnipeg Jets, senior producer and host, good friend of the show. If you remember when we were still on TSN 1290, Sarah was on probably the most epic show ever. Uh, we had Sarah on talking about a possible Patrick Lyonet trade. And then literally five minutes later, uh, after uh, you know Sarah was off with us, uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois, became a Winnipeg Jet for Patrick Lyonnais and Jack Roslovic, So we always appreciate you joining the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. Hopefully this show with Jim co-hosting was just as epic as that time that you came on right before A uh, was uh, traded with Roslovic for Dubois. So Sarah, enjoy the game tonight. It's the first game in a long time between uh, the Jets and the Blackhawks, nine o'clock puck drop at Canada Life Centre. So again, thanks so much. And hopefully we'll run into you at, at the arena in uh, you know the near future.
3: Absolutely. I look forward to it. Thanks so much for having me on. Enjoy what uh, will be a very, very long day.
1: Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We're going to bed uh, at one o'clock probably this morning.
2: And this time if you leave and in five minutes the Jets acquire Timo Meyer, please call back on.
3: You know what? It's because I don't have a hair appointment booked today, oh. um, as you as will be able to tell you, and that's usually the key. To uh, when a trade will happen usually
1: yeah, when happens when yeah, yeah. yeah. If Sarah's mm-hmm. got her on and there's no hair appointment Timo Meyer's not becoming a Winnipeg Jet no. you're just gonna have to wait it might be another <laughs> week or you know. two yeah it, we got we got a few days to go before the trade deadline so what Sarah, Kevin,
3: it's what Kevin asked me before they make the trade like Sarah have you <laughs> yeah. done your hair yet today okay. you have
1: anything booked today trade. because I'm gonna pull yeah. the trigger on this massive deal <laughs> yeah Brett Frank Saravelli LeBron these guys Elliot they don't they don't get the trades until Sarah has Given it the green light right Chevy goes to Sarah right. first and then yeah we know we know we know what the deal is Sarah thank <laughs> you thank you so much again for joining us and uh, enjoy the game tonight and we will uh, catch up with you soon
3: have a great day guys
1: Bye, Sarah. okay let's head to break we'll be right back on the illegal curve hockey show
3: keeping Winnipeg laughing for
2: over 30 years Rumors, Canada's longest-running comedy club, bringing you the biggest laughs from the best comedians on the planet. Jerry Seinfeld, Chris Rock, John Stewart, Dennis Miller, Brad Garrett, the greats, and all the up-and-comers, too. When was the last time you laughed out loud? Make it a great night out with friends or book your office or birthday party. Even a fundraising event at Rumors. Get all the details and dates on upcoming shows at RumorsComedyClub.com.
1: Hi, Ez. A strange question for you. But why are you lying on the ground being crushed by a piano? Well, Drew, I definitely tried to carry this baby grand piano down the stairs by myself, and somehow I failed miserably. Right, right. Uh, I'm sorry. That was a silly question on my part. My apologies. Would you like me to call Rollies Transfer Moving and Storage to help you move the piano? They are the most experienced piano moving company in Winnipeg, after all. Yes, please call Rolly's and hurry. This piano is very, very heavy. Rolly's Transfer Moving and
2: Storage offers stress-free residential moving services while taking great care of your personal belongings,
1: including your piano. At Rolly's, no job is too big or too small. For more information, visit rollies.com. Hey, Drew. Ezzy! whoa, what a smile. Yeah, I got my crowns done at Linden Market Dental Center, and they whitened my teeth. I see. They're so bright that every time I smile, they go, We have hockey tonight. Do you have a mouth guard to protect those pearly whites? I sure do. Whoa, they even ting through the mouth guard.
2: Linden Market Dental Center covers all your dental needs, from restorative to cosmetic dentistry, and will fit you with a sports guard for that active lifestyle. 877 Waverly. See LindenMarketDental.com.
1: So you're a pizza person, you married a wing person, but somehow your kids are salad people. You can't pick your fam, but you can pick your BP meal deal. Starting from eighteen ninety nine for takeout or delivery at bostonpizza.com. Welcome back to the Illegal Curve hockey show Saturday morning, 10 after 10 in the morning. Big thanks to Sarah Orleski of the Winnipeg Jets for joining us. Just great to catch up with, with Sarah. Like, always enjoy talking to Sarah. I haven't run into her. As much this year, at, uh, I've only been to, I think, two or three Jets games live. been watching them. As you know, Jim, uh, we're dads, so we're uh, oftentimes <laughs> watching live sports on on PVR. So I'm always, uh, you know, uh, happy if I get to watch a, a full three periods. And that's not going to be an issue tonight. And thank you to everyone who is currently joining us live on our YouTube channel and our social media platforms. Ezra Ginsberg here, the new host of the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. We finally gave Drew his pink slip. And the new co-host of the Illegal Curve Hockey Show is Jim Toth <laughs> of 680 CJOB Sports, the Jim Toth Show, Jets at Noon, with our friend Cameron Poitras. So, Jim, let's get back into the Jets and Blackhawks. And by the way, if you're watching, smash that like button, subscribe to the Illegal Curve YouTube channel. And while you're at it, subscribe to Kenny and Rennie. Subscribe subscribe to Skates and Plates, Brandon Rewicki. Subscribe to, obviously, Winnipeg Sports Talk. With our good friends Andrew Hustler Patterson and Michael Remus, we're gonna keep this thing going. I mean, Bell can't shut us down, right, Jim?
2: Yeah, no, it's been a, it's been a quite quite the ride, and I, I really appreciate all the good work that everybody's doing in the community. And I, I think it's I think the fans appreciate the fact that everybody's show works with each other. Like I, I kind of you know, Kenny and Rennie comes on after Huss, and you guys come on um, uh, in and around it as well too, and everybody's on everybody else's show to, to just do what, you know, fans and uh, of the Jets, I think, like to do. And that's just talk Jets. There's a lot of passion in this community. So, um, yeah, it's all going great. And it's funny how when um, things turn out one way, uh, Westwood, I used to always say, when one door closes, another one opens. And you never know where it's going to lead to. And I think a, a lot of people from the Bell days have, have gone on and done some great
1: things. Um, so it's it's always great to see everybody
2: doing yeah, well and, too.
1: And, yeah absolutely and I mean we should mention we did have to have a little bit of a fight there right like we had like similar to you know the big fight in Anchorman we had to have you know like a legal curve versus Winnipeg Sports dog versus Kenny and Rennie so we had a bit of a lumberjack match there and then you know set, settled our differences yeah. and uh, now we're all good but yeah. And then the
2: public broadcasting channel came and said don't forget about us. <laughs> exactly.
1: That was Brandon verwicki actually. That He's was like, Brandon Rewicki who yeah, came yeah. in. People that ben haven't met ben Brandon don't know, this guy's absolutely yeah. ripped. He's a big dude. So are you Jim but Brandon rwicky he's got the combination of the good flow and just being a a buff individual so brandon buff individual and youth he's got youth on his time absolutely absolutely. we're not going to talk about him being a flyers fan we'll leave that to uh another day here but uh i work with his brother now tyson rwicky is with us at ob
2: producing shows and dropping eagles knowledge all week so the whole family went to the flyers game and we're just in Ecstatic over that four nothing out.
1: and then uh, the whole crew of the Ruwicky's will be watching this uh, Super Bowl tomorrow. So, love it, absolutely love it, and we'll we'll get into the the Super Bowl at the end of the show. Super Bowl fifty seven, of course, tomorrow between the Kansas City Chiefs, Hustlers, Kansas City Chief, and the Philadelphia Eagles, and obviously the Rihanna halftime show we'll touch on uh, again because who doesn't like Rihanna? Um, let's get back to the Jets and Blackhawks as we mentioned tonight. Puck drop nine o'clock, Canada Life Center. Um, and we should mention we've got the post-game show tonight with me and Drew. Drew will be broadcasting live from beautiful Grand Forks, North Dakota. That'll be somewhere around, you know, quarter to 12, midnight, something like that. It's not going to be an early night, folks. So hopefully you'll be able to join us and obviously tune in to the post-game show on 680 CGOB. Is it going to be, um, is it Derek Taylor tonight? No, Jim Kelly Moore actually. Yeah, What's Kelly, Kelly okay. Moore
2: uh, after uh, covering hockey and being involved with it for over 100 years now i uh, got a, got a nice little vacation, um, him and his wife for about a month. So he's back, uh, and, uh, I believe it's his first game back tonight too. So he's really excited to go. We talk about Ross. We had him on the show yesterday. Yeah, and, I was listening. Uh, he was just pumped and ready to go and firing one-liners at us both. So, um, I think he's going to shake the rust off real quick. Pre-game show. Of course, it's seven on 680
1: CGOB. Absolutely. Seven o'clock. And then the puck drop is nine o'clock and then post-game show on 680 CGOB somewhere around, you know, 11.30 to 11.45. Kenny and Rennie, I'm sure we'll have the post game show somewhere around, I don't know, quarter after 12 in the morning. But, you know, we mentioned the <laughs> Chicago Blackhawks played last night in Chicago, so they travel. It's not like a, a long flight or anything like that. But, you know, coming in, second game of a back-to-back, this Blackhawks team is just horrible, as you know, Jim, and as everybody watching the show right now knows, the Jets have handled them quite easily, scoring 14 goals in the three games or four games. I think it's three games. I think it's three, it's three yeah. The Jets have, have won. So um, we talked about it a little bit with Sarah. You've got Mason Appleton coming into the lineup. And I wanted to start there uh, because I think, you know, the idea was, you know, Mason Appleton will eventually join Adam Lowry, his good buddy on the third line. And then Morgan Barron, of course, is the other winger on that show. So I guess, you know, a, a, a couple part question here with Mason Appleton, you know, it looks like he's going to start on the fourth line uh, Kevin Stenland's uh, centering that line with either Sam Gagne or, or Saku Manalina. It looks like Axel Janssen-Fialbi is most likely going to be, based on you know Jets practice, looks like AJF is going to be the odd man out. So hopefully he gets into the lineup soon. But what are you expecting out of, of Mason Appleton, not just tonight, but kind of going forward? Because this is a guy who hasn't played hockey in almost three months. And you know with his size, and he can chip in a few goals here and there. Are you expecting that third line to eventually be Appleton, Lowry, and and Morgan Barron? And also, you know, I wanted to throw in the play of Morgan Barron. The goal scoring maybe hasn't been there as much as you would like, but I think Morgan Barron, you know, is a guy that has been, you know, just as advertised. You know, he gives you size and, you know, he can also chip in offensively. But I guess, what do you think of the, the look of that third line going forward the last 30 games of the year? Well,
2: you know, and we talk a lot about Dayoff, but I I don't know that he's lost a trade um, of the magnitude of even the Andrew Kopp. I mean, he got the picks. He got the first rounder, which turned into Brad Lambert. Um, And then you look at the other picks that he got in that deal. But Morgan Barron is somebody who much was like Neil Pionk. When the Jacob Trouba trade was made, I kind of said, Morgan who, and was looking some things up. And I thought, and then, you know, I've stopped doing this as over the 11 years. I've stopped going who and just gone you know, well, this is going to be somebody like, I'm not saying a hall of famer, but somebody because Kevin Cheveldayoff is the one who, who chose him. And so much like when Neil Pion came here and I know Neil's having a, a rough year this year, but um, they, the scouting system and, and department for the jets is always good. So I love everything about Morgan Barron. I do think there's some offense there, but realistically he's the guy who replaced Andrew cop. Andrew cop can
1: play in the top six. Um, but I'm not sorry, sure sorry to interrupt you, Jim. We have a message up on the screen from Lethbridge. So I think we got to give that props right off the bat. <laughs> the top hat in Lethbridge. Hey, Rob, are you in Lethbridge, buddy? I uh, I haven't. <laughs> We're contractually obligated. Anytime Jim Toth is on the show, of course, Jim is uh, up uh, from <laughs> Lethbridge. So anytime we have someone in the chat from Lethbridge, that comment gets to go right to the, the front of the queue. <laughs> well uh you can
2: tell rob that i've yet to um be at the top hat but uh if you can get them as a sponsor on this program you'd be doing very well very well so uh say hi to everybody at the top hat in Lufford for me i don't even know if it's still open pandemic times but uh say hi to everybody rob thanks for that that's funny rob thanks um but yeah i love everything about morgan Barron because he was to take andrew kopp's spot on that third line so you you lost andrew kopp and, and andrew kopp's having a rough year points wise in detroit and that was my only issue with andrew kopp i liked everything about him um but i I just i didn't think he was a five to six million dollar player and and on good teams he can't be because you can't be playing you know top nine guys that much money so i wish andrew kopp all the best i think he's a great player and stuff um but so they get uh, morgan Barron in here now morgan Barron has has a long way to go offensively to get up to the andrew kopp production but everything else is good he's a good defender he's he's big he's physical And I do think Appleton will go back on that line. Um, Appleton's tough. It's three months. Like, I think that's why he's on the fourth line. He will eventually get to that third line, but he's going to want to, you know, get his feet underneath him as well. It's a wrist injury, so he's going to want to work on the hand-eye coordination and everything else that comes with it. But I do think Mason Appleton going back on that line and, and having Morgan Barron here is a great acquisition. Would I prefer Andrew Kopp be there? Yes, I do. Do I prefer Morgan Barron's salary and what he brings compared to Andrew Cop's salary? Yes, I do. I think that that's how you're going to make things fit come this trade deadline and make it through this season. So, I, look, I really like that. And I'm, you know me as I, I've been a guy for years. I think Adam Lowry has a 40 point season in him. And, and I think that uh, for all the times that people have bashed Adam Lowry's offense, I think it's there. This is a guy who won WHL Player of the Year in Swift Current. And it was evenly split. It was 40-some goals and 40-some assists. So um, I'm not saying he's a perennial 50-point guy on the third line, which is always nice. But I do think he has a 40-point season in him. And I, I think it could come with a Baron and a the Lowry there. Profetti's played with him. So I really like that line. I think it's going to be a couple of games before we see Appleton on it. But once it does get in there, I I would and, – and the thing I'm excited for if and when they make the playoffs as, is to see that Lowry, Barron – Appleton line in playoff hockey and where they can go and and to T Pauly's idea of Stenlin, I've loved everything about Stenlin I saw him play against Iowa about a month into the season in the Manitoba Moose a hustler happened to be there and I was like who is this Blake Wheeler clone like and he goes don't you remember him from training camp everyone's like is that Wheeler 28 and I said yeah so I, I I loved everything about his game in the Manitoba and uh, uh, moose game and the reason I like him with the jets is a i think he's effective i think he's a really good fourth line center um defends well big physical and i think he's got offensive upside but he's played for the jets the same way he played that game i saw him play in the manitoba moose his game doesn't change it's pretty consistent um so i think Stenlund's a great addition too but man baron lowry appleton if they all stay healthy in a playoff round i i I think I'm a big believer in a seven-game series. Your third line doesn't have to be the difference in the series, but they
1: have to be the difference in a game. And I think that third line could be. I would agree with that 100%, Jim. And then the big unknown is, as we talked about earlier, and you know, we'll get into maybe a little bit here, uh, I, I mentioned to you the, uh, about this earlier, another guy that I think would be an interesting pickup, and I'm not sure if he's going to resign, is, is Tyler Bertuzzi. And that's, again, going back to what we talked about that's the the unknown. Are the jets going to bring in uh, a top six slash top nine winger? And I think Tyler Bertuzzi is a guy, you know, that's interesting and I'm sure, you know, people in the chat are going to have their opinions. Um, you know, we're, we're going to leave the vaccination status uh, alone here for a second. Cause I don't, I believe that doesn't apply anymore. I think he'd be able to to freely travel. I don't think that's something that was talked about Um you know, a year ago or, or two years ago, but Timo Meyer is obviously, you know, the guy that most Jets fans want right now, right? Like if you look at, you know, the TSN trade yeah. bait board or the daily face-off trade bait board, Timo Meyers, you know, either one or two, he's, he's the obvious guy. Like he's this year's uh, Mark Stone, if you will. Right. Um, but Tyler Bertuzzi is a guy that, you know, intrigues me because you know, you would think that he would also be a rental, right? Like he's a pending UFA I have his salary up here. I think he makes, uh, you know, he's not going to cost you too much. Uh, I believe he's at 4.75. There you go. Brought it up here. 27 years old, left winger. He's not having a great year, Jim, but he actually, it's interesting about Tyler Bertuzzi. The wings obviously haven't had a very good season. He's broken both hands blocking shots. So it's been a very, um, you know, unfortunate situation for him. He's only played 19 games, but he's only got six points in those 19 games. He's got two goals and four assists, but he had a career high, 30 goals and 62 points last year. And that was in, 68 games and it's been reported that the Red Wings would move him maybe for a prospect and a, and a second round pick so I don't know necessarily that you have to give up a, a first round pick but that's what we've heard second round pick and a prospect you know might get you Tyler bertuzzi I'm not sure you know if you're talking about a Chas Lucius if you're talking about a Billy Hanela but you know I wanted to just get your opinion Jim on on Tyler bertuzzi because this is a guy again you know he his numbers don't stand out to you this year. But 30 goals, 62 points on a bad Red Wings team last year. Like, this guy can score goals, and he's gritty. Like, this is a guy that gets yeah. it on the forecheck. He's an agitator. So what are your thoughts on, on Bertuzzi and what the Jets might have to give up to get him?
2: I don't mind Tyler Bertuzzi as an idea. I always cringe, though, as when Steve Iserman wants to get rid of somebody. I really do. And we saw that with Sh- uh, Shirokov um, when he came here. I-, I didn't mind his game here with the Jets, and I know he went on to, to San Jose um but I, I just when steve eisenman doesn't want to get now the difference this time might be steves built a really good team there and and i think they're on the cusp of being the buffaloes or the new jersey's over the next two seasons like a playoff bound team with good young talent um so he could be looking to move things to add to that or make room for it overall with the, the depth of talent but if steve eisenman wants to get rid of you I, I always question like why that is and i know you brought up the vaccination thing um I don't know if maybe that caused a rift with some of his teammates, not over the fact of what you believe around the vaccination, but just the fact that we're a team and we're trying to do some things, and you're you're sort of taking a stand to to not. I, and I'm just guessing, I don't know, but I do like Tyler Bertuzzi as a player. Um, I think it would be something that would be interesting to acquire, but I I just think if it's not going to be a big name, if it's not going to be Patrick Kane, if it's not going to be Timo Meyer. And then I think it's going to be more of the Van Reemsdykes, the Barbashevs, the Nick Ritchies. Tyler Bertuzzi, you know, I think is a good addition and good player. Uh, what's his
1: contract status again? Is, is he a UFA or he's got term on it? This is Bertuzzi, Jim? Yeah. Yeah, Bertuzzi a pending UFA. Yeah, and we, well, and we should mention that, you know, you're right. I, I think you have to be a little bit concerned when Steve Iserman isn't, you know, champion at the bit to re-sign you. Dylan Larkin is a pending UFA. Dylan Larkin's the captain. I think everybody knows that Dylan Larkin's going to get, I don't know, $7 million a year, maybe more right. $8 million a year. I'm not sure. Larkin's not going anywhere. So we had a comment up. I mean, the Jets aren't going to be able to acquire yeah, Dylan Larkin. And, but and Larkin is a pending UFA, 4.75 AAV. So it's not going to cost you a ton.
2: Yeah. So I, I, and that's a rental, right? Exactly. So uh, again, the jets don't have a second, fourth or sixth this year, so you can maybe send a second next year. Um, right. And I think, I think a second round pick would get you a Bertuzzi. I think a second round pick would get you a James Van Reemsdyke So I, I just, you know, pick your poison. And if somebody holds out for more, then, um, uh, I don't know if I would go first round pick for a rental. So, um, but, uh, I do like to bring cat by the way, but th- I don't think that that's going to, that's going to cost you more Treat. So here's the thing, it, it all circles back to, and I love to having these discussions as, and throwing these names out and everything else, but here's the thing, do you want shovel day off to overpay for a rental? No, you don't. Can he afford to overpay for a rental? No, it's not like other teams. It's not like other teams where you can get a free agent, you know, every summer. That doesn't happen here. He has to be really careful with these prospects. Again, I do believe he's been game hunting. I do believe that if he can get somebody that will sign here on term, um, but I don't think he's going to just hand out a Chaz Lucius or Rutger Magori or a Villa Henola and a first-round pick for somebody that – so let's do this. Say it comes down to the deadline and somebody's offering two seconds and Chevy's offering a second next year and the third this year. And they come back and they say, who wants to give us the first-round pick gets him." I, I just don't think Chevy does that. I, I don't think he does. And I think there is a team out there that would do that if they think they're close. So it, it's really interesting um, that uh, the Jets and the, the West. Sarah made such a great point compared to 2018. Nobody thought the Jets would get past Nashville. Then when they got to Vegas, I thought they would get past Vegas, and they didn't. To go for it is different for this team than other teams 100. and I don't have a problem with them going for it. And I think this year they should, but they have to do it logistically. They have to do it in a way that doesn't cripple them for years to come. Um, so I, I just like, I, I, I look at the Calgary flames as, and I see the Goudreaux and the Chuck's left to Chuck was like Dubois at another year left going into next year. What do you do? And it looked like on paper. They did the right thing. They've got some for assets that didn't want to be there. And so I look at Shifley and Dubois, and I I look around the league, and I see these team of Meyer names and stuff. It's just it, it's and th- and then there's a story that Toronto wants in on Meyer, and they'll figure it out later, which means the summer, right? And then they they're hearing that the Jets might do the same. They might just acquire him and figure it out in the summer. I think the Jets can figure it out in the summer by going who wants what I said eight and a half nine million, and if none of the three want it or one of them does, that's the guy you go with, and then you trade the other two and, and build around that. But what if none of them want it? And so you send out that Rutger McGorry, you send out Billy Hainola, you send out a first-round pick, and you send out something else. You get Meyer, you get to the Stanley Cup final, but lose to Boston. And then all of a sudden, Shifley's not resigning, signing Dubois's not resigning, Meyer's not resigning. What do you do then? You know, And so then you got to make some deals and stuff. So I, I do think there's work to be done and there are some deals happening. I do think they will be in on the mire and, and the other big names. But what I re- what I think will actually happen is that he won't pay overpay. And, and what he'll do is he'll pay fair price for adding
1: to this roster and going at it from there. I agree with you 100%, Jim. And to your point earlier, Chevy rarely loses trades, right? Like you, you could go back... And, you know, you could point to, I don't know, Kevin Hayes is maybe one that you would point to that wasn't the best trade. Uh, but I would say, you know, 80 to 90% of Chevy's trades uh, have been won by the Jets and, and Shovel Dayoff, right? So I agree with you 100%. Well, and,
2: and he just can't as like he, like I'm looking exactly. at, I'm looking at Florida and they have no first round picks for three years. And they're on the decline now and they're overpaying their goaltender and stuff. But do I think Florida can fix this in three to five years? Yeah, I do. Because it's Florida you know what I mean? And if the, if the flame or if the jets were in the same boat, do I think the jets could fix it in three to five years? No, I don't. I think they'd have to go through the draft again. I think they'd have to get some pieces in here, develop those pieces. And so again, I, I just keep going back to Meyer's going to want to come here and he's got to want to sign a, an extension. And if I'm Timo Meyer, I want to know what this top six is going to look like over the next three to five years. And there's three pieces in it and your Vesna caliber gold tender that don't have contracts past one year. So, and and people say this to me, if if Shifley can sign for eight, eight and a half million, then I think you do it. But I don't know that he's going to want to sign for that. I don't, but and the Jets need to,
1: right? It's a big, big unknown right now, right? But I, I do
2: believe that, like the idea of people thinking that they're going to get eleven million dollars, like I, I think that was probably the problem with Line A. Line A was, you know, sitting there looking at Austin Matthews and the thing being done in Toronto it was ten and eleven million dollars, and you can't do that. And I think that's why Horvat took eight and a half. I think that's why we're hearing about Timo Meyer from his agent saying he knows he's going to make ten million dollars next year, one way or the other. He also knows he's not going to make $10 million on an extension contract. So he's more than willing to sign not the $10 million next year, but a long-term eight and a half nine million million, $9 because that's the rate, right? Why did Bull Horvat sign in Long Island? I don't like Long Island's team. I don't like the Islanders going forward. I look at them over the next three to five years, and I'm like, they're not going to beat the Bostons and, and the Tampa Bays and the Torontos of the world in the playoffs, or the Carolinas. But he signed for $8.5 million. On a team that I don't really like, but Meyer could do it differently. Meyer could go, if I go to Carolina, if I go to Boston, if I go to New Jersey, I think they're going to be good for the next three to five years. I'm not saying the Jets aren't going to be good. I just, we here in the city are questioning what, what it's going to look like after
1: next year. So I can understand why uh, pending UFA would as well. And, and we definitely don't know who the Jets are going to acquire. Is it going to be Timo Meyer? Is it going to be Tyler Bertuzzi? Is it going to be Vladislav Gavrikov? But we don't know. But the one thing that we do know is that Ben Pope of the Chicago Sun-Times is waiting. We're going to bring him on. We're going to go to commercial break right now. But when we come back, we're going to continue to preview the Jets and the Blackhawks. Puck drop, very normal, 9 o'clock p.m. start time when all hockey games should start. We're lucky that we have Jets hockey to talk about. So we're going to head to commercial break and then we come back. Ben Pope of the Chicago Sun-Times is going to join us to preview tonight's game between the Jets and Chicago. Welcome back to the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. I'm Ezra Ginsburg, joined by my handsome co-host Jim Toth of 680 CJOB, filling in for Drew Mandel and Dave Manouk. And we are very happy to be joined by Ben Pope of the Chicago Sun-Times. Ben, thank you so much. You were patiently waiting uh, in our backstage area there for four or five minutes. So <laughs> thanks so much for joining us and and being patient as, uh, as this amateur host tries to figure out this whole stream yard thing. Yeah, of course thanks for having me on
0: I I normally would be at this at this game but um, back to back and 9 pm start and it's gonna have to connect through Toronto so it didn't work out so you're giving me something to do with
1: my day <laughs> <laughs> absolutely love it you know we can we can talk have a nice chat about the Jets and the Blackhawks and we were talking about this earlier and this was a game that people were jets fans were circling back in October Ben because you know you look at it and you're like nine o'clock for a home game and obviously you know there's TV implication. Uh, implications. There's going to be uh, an early game on on Sportsnet. It's on Hockey Night in Canada tonight. So there's definitely going to be some well lubricated uh, Jets fans in attendance tonight. Some people drinking, and I don't know how many kids are going to be at the game because it's not going to end until uh, close to 11:30, 11:45 Central Time. But I think Jets fans are just happy to have a hockey game because it's been almost two weeks here since the Jets have played. So some of the players have gone to Mexico. Nick Ehlers went to Denmark. Uh, but we're just happy to have a game to talk about and. The Blackhawks were in action last night. They defeated the Arizona Coyotes, uh, kind of like a, a mini Super Bowl, if you will. Blackhawks and, and Coyotes. I think I, I would say uh, a little being a little bit tongue in cheek here, but I mean, Ben, what's the the vibe around this team? Because I think you know, there's a lot of talk about Patrick Kane being traded. A lot of talk about Jonathan Taves being traded. Um, he wasn't in action last night. He's not going to play uh, tonight unless I'm I'm, in, I'm wrong. Let's just no, start off praying. with that. What's been What's been going on with Taves? Is it just uh, like a flu or or is there something else to it?
0: Well, uh, Luke Richardson, the Blackhawks coach, had said, I think it was Thursday, that it was the flu. Um, but then yesterday that, I think actually it's Wednesday, Wednesday and Thursday here that we're talking about, that, that he actually hadn't asked him if it was the flu. So um, it's a little bit um, up in the air exactly what he's dealing with. Obviously, the big concern is whether this is connected to the immune system issue that caused him to miss the entire 2021 season. Um, And tonight will be his fifth game missed due to illness since the start of December. He also missed one back on December 6th in New Jersey and then uh, a couple weeks ago in Calgary. So, um, and now these past three games. So yeah, definitely a little bit of a concern there in terms of what's going on with his health. I know I talked to him, um, I guess it was maybe three or four weeks ago at this point about it. And uh, he he, he basically, by virtue of not really answering the question, indicated that he wasn't feeling great, um, but he hasn't really described exactly what he's dealing with or, um, you know, what it's stemming from. So uh, definitely a bit of a concern there, but um, the Hawks are hoping to have him back this coming week. Um, he, he's They're hoping that he'll be able to join the team after getting a few more workouts and skates in in Chicago. Um, so that's a, the Tave status. Um, as far as Kane, it's... He's been pretty open about um, sort of his deliberations on whether to approach the Blackhawks and ask for a trade. Um, He was he was not happy to see the Rangers acquire Vladimir Tarasenko because I think that's long um, sort of been considered his, his preferred landing destination. And now they're out of the running for him. And it was it's interesting to see a guy who's still playing for a different team, openly lamenting that a different team can no longer fit him in. So. Um, It it seems like he's leaning towards the trade direction, but he admitted that he hasn't yet gone to GM Kyle Davidson with that request. And that's probably going to be figured out within the next 10 days or so. So uh, that's how it's going with the two veterans. But in terms of on the ice, the Blackhawks have have actually been playing probably their best um, hockey the past month or so. Um, I think they went seven and five in January and um, they're one Oh and one since coming out of the break this past week. Um, They've definitely been, been playing better. Um, not that that was a very high bar to clear, considering what we saw from them in November and December, but um, they seem to be figuring out the system a little bit and finding a little bit of chemistry. And uh, some of the depth players like Jason Dickinson and Sam Lafferty have really turned it on offensively, which has helped a lot. Um, and then they've, they've gotten some pretty good goaltending. That's, that's been one positive most of the year. So uh, that's kind of the, the, the overall state of the team right now.
2: That's interesting, Ben. I know there's a lot of uh, Taves and, and Blackhawks fans here that are so disappointed because they honestly thought that this would be their last time to see him in Winnipeg in a Blackhawks uniform. And if he keeps playing for another team or something, they just were telling me that would be different than seeing him with the C on on the Blackhawks team. But Kane is interesting to me because I heard his comments, and I heard his comments over a week ago where he said, I'll decide around the deadline what I want to do. And I thought, why would you – publicly say that and and why would you even um you know privately go about it this way this has been an ongoing process the entire season and if you want to go somewhere you can dictate that to a certain extent and and i understand maybe weighing the fact of being a lifelong um, black cock compared to not but as we got closer and around christmas time i was a little surprised and then as you said his comments this week I, i kind of felt like saying well patrick what did you think would happen? Like they it kind of maybe, but, but to speak about it this openly, I'm wondering how this is around the team, because we talk at least here in Canada about Kane and Taves for the entire season. What we don't talk about is McCabe's that might be traded, the other assets that other teams might like. So I'm wondering what, you know, just this past week has been like around this roster, because as you said, I think they, in that seven and five run, won five in a row and, and playing well, I can't think of a team, it, personally, that is going through more public and private transition w- during a season than this Blackhawks team.
0: Yeah, that, that's certainly true. And um, I think with a lot of teams, this would probably be a period of a lot of instability and, and maybe guys kind of walking on eggshells. But I feel like because of how obvious it was from the very start that this is what the Blackhawks were doing this season, it really hasn't seemed to affect the mood in the locker room are really different guys. I think everybody knew what they were getting into. Um, someone asked actually Luke Richardson that very question the past few days. And he said that he was told day one of the interview last summer that uh, they would be trading a lot of guys. So I think <laughs> everyone's kind of known that uh, this was coming and been able to sort of mentally prepare for it. And um, it doesn't seem to have really uh, disrupted things that much, even though there are, probably nine or 10 guys who could realistically um, think that they might get traded. Um, So yeah, it's, it's honestly the whole season, the team has done pretty well mentally handling everything that they've gone through um, between multiple eight game losing streaks and um, just all the transition going on. The fact that management is kind of openly declared, they don't want to win. Um, There'd be a lot of things that most teams would maybe get discouraged by. And, and this group has done pretty well of, of maintaining a good mood and, um, some unity and kind of trying their best to work through it, even though that they know they're sort of destined to fail. So um, definitely kudos to them for that. And I think, it, I mean, you're right, McCabe and Lafferty and um, a bunch of different guys, Murphy, um, Domi, Athanasiu, um, in addition to Kane and Taze, of course, are, are part of rumors, but they, they seem to just be kind of taking it one day at a time, as, as they like to say, and not really letting it affect things too
1: much. We're joined by Ben Pope of the Chicago Sun-Times on the Illegal Curve Hockey Show, Jets and Blackhawks, tonight at 9 o'clock p.m. Central at Canada Life Center. And, you know, Ben, you mentioned earlier, you know, that the the Blackhawks have arguably been playing, you know, their their best hockey of the year. So are Blackhawks fans actually hating that? Because, you know, you hear, like, teams like the Columbus Blue Jackets, the Anaheim Ducks, like the the other teams that are in the the Connor Bedard sweepstakes. I guess you would throw in the Arizona Coyotes or the Blackhawks beat last night, but is that like, I guess players, as you know, they want to win hockey games. I mean, they're built to, to win and compete. So it's not like they're going to say that, you know, they don't want to win. Nobody's saying that, but um, I guess how badly do Blackhawks fans want Connor Bedard or are they aware that, you know, there's some really other, there's, there's a lot of other good players I should say, you know, that are available in that first round top five, right? Like, you know, we know the names, Adam Fantilli, uh, Leo Carlson, I guess, Zach Benson, who plays for the ice here in, in Winnipeg. I guess the question is, how bad do the Hawks want Bedard, or, or is it is it you know just the the um, the idea that they know they're going to get a top pick?
0: I would say they want him pretty bad. Um, I think a lot of teams could say that at this point, but um, it doesn't seem like there's been too much animosity about the winning. Um, there there are a few fans I see out there that they get upset about winning, but I think a lot of them just appreciate in the moment having a little bit of something to cheer for and. Um, and know that it's not really a single win or a few wins isn't really changing that much. Um, I mean, some of the other bottom feeders have been winning a bit more lately. And so the Hawks are still in 31st place, I think two or three points ahead of Columbus. Um, And if they get rid of a bunch of guys at the deadline, they could conceivably really fall apart in March and April. Um, So I I think there's still a very good shot of ending up in last place, even though they've been playing better. So that's a little bit of solace. And I think a lot of fans are just, if they haven't tuned out the season completely, which seems to be um, a a frequent case, um, they are enjoying at least having a a bit of success and um, kind of enjoying that. And and maybe seeing a few guys emerge as someone that they could potentially stay and keep as part of the rebuild and and build around for the future. Um, So those are positives. And I think most people are trying to appreciate those, even though objectively each win does do a little tiny bit of damage to their as of getting Bedard. And the other thing is, the other critical part of finishing in last is that um, with the, the lottery odds not really being that great, um, it, it guarantees a top three pick because even if you don't win either lottery for first or second, you slide to third and then um, you can still get Carlson or um, whoever it would be, Mitchkov, maybe if they want to take a risk in that position. So that is the benefit to finishing last, whereas if you're in 30th or 31st, it's possible to fall to fourth or fifth and then get kind of the second tier guy. So, um, but it's just going to, I mean, there's still a long time left and all those teams down at the bottom kind of move positions constantly. So we'll see how it pans out.
2: That's interesting. Part of when there's a Bedard in a draft is that people get so disappointed if they don't get that first pick and forget that there's plenty of quality in this year's draft coming in two, three, four, five, and six as well. Uh, when you said that about Richardson, man, I I remember when he was hired and I thought, oh, he's such a good coach and he finally gets a chance and he's going to get fired within two years. But then I started reading, including some of your work about the fact that they, he knew what he was getting into. And this is a chance maybe in a weird position on a bad team to take over the reins and and have a long-term career with an organization and see it built. Um, how instrumental has he been to this season, given everything that's been going on? Cause I, I think he's a really good coach on and off the ice.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think he's done a, a, a terrific job. Uh, he's been really impressive just in terms of the systems he's put in, I think have really gotten the most out of a pretty poorly constructed roster. Um, and I think even though the Hawks objectively want to get the first pick, that that's a major positive that they have a coach who can get this much out of a team like this. Um, just the tactical changes he's made and the, the timing of them too, of to know when to make a tweak or when the team is ready to add in a little extra twist onto something they've already been working on. Um, it's, it's been pretty well orchestrated. And I think off the ice too, he's um, been good at communication. He's been honest. Um, he's been harsh when needed, but he doesn't kind of lose his cool or start kind of throwing things or, or anything like that, because that just kind of, it loses its impact over time. You don't want to waste that on, on a season like this. Um, so I think he's really handled the whole situation well. I too, at the, you know, last summer when he was hired, thought that this was going to be an almost impossible job, Um, but it it hasn't turned out to be that way in terms of at least how he's made it look. So um, yeah, I think, I think he's done a very good job. He certainly benefited from the fact that there are literally zero expectations. Um, It would be almost impossible to disappoint um, considering the circumstances. So I'm sure in a few years as, they're hoping to, to show improvement and, and get up into the playoff bubble and everything. Um, there will be some more challenging times where maybe people are a little bit more upset about how things are going just because that's how hockey works. But um, if, up to this point, he's done really a, a, as good a job as anyone could have hoped.
1: We're joined by Ben Pope of the Chicago Sun Times on the illegal curve hockey show Jets and Blackhawks tonight at nine o'clock. That's right, nine o'clock PM Central Time. It's still gonna be weird for me, even you know, weeks later, Ben. The fact that there's a home game at, at nine o'clock, but I'll I'll get over it. It's just gonna be uh you know, late tuck-in tonight. Um, but just continuing <laughs> with the trade deadline, right? Because you know, 20 days, 21 days left uh, before the trade deadline, March 3rd. And you know, we talked about Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves, but I guess what I wanted to, to get to was you mentioned Sam Lafferty and you wrote about him, I believe it was Wednesday, if not Thursday for the Chicago Sun-Times. And this is a guy that, you know, every time the Hawks play the Jets, even though the, the Jets have you know handled the, the Hawks pretty well this year, 14 goals, four, three against, um, Lafferty is a guy that that stands out. And I, I don't think anybody's expecting a, a Brandon Hagel type of return here. Um, and in, in your article, you wrote that, you know, there's always a chance, you know, the Hawks continue with Lafferty, and he's part of the post-rebuild, as, as you called it. But I guess how attractive is it that he's got that one year left on his contract for $1.1 or $1.2 million? Because that seems like that's got to be really attractive for some NHL GMs.
0: Yeah, and obviously he's not as good of a player as Hagel, and he's older, so that the comparison isn't true. But in terms of the cost, the cost certainty that he brings, um, I think that's a big factor in his value, like it was for Hagel. Um, even though they're in different circumstances otherwise. Um, it, the thing is that Lafferty came in mid-last season in a trade from Pittsburgh for Alex Nylander, um, which, and really he played, he played pretty well down the stretch. Um, I'm not sure that the Hawks knew if what they were going to do with him, and, and he definitely earned this second contract um, with them. But he he wasn't really that productive, at least on paper, even though he seemed to be playing pretty well. And was one of their more more noticeable guys in March and April. Um, I think he only had 11 points in 40-something games with the Hawks. So the contract ended up being, you know, barely above minimum, uh, very cheap. Well, this year, he's played well again, but he's getting the production to show for it. Um, In January, he averaged almost a point per game. Um, And he's he's been pretty good these past these first two games in February, too. So um, that's really sort of made him, I think, get a little more attention around the league and made this contract quickly turn out to be an undervalue of him, which is obviously great for the Blackhawks, um, whether they keep him or trade him Um, in terms of what he brings. I mean, he's been a really strong penalty killer. He has three shorthanded goals. Uh, but his speed is what really makes a difference. Um, I think Athanasiu is the guy on this team that gets the most attention for his skating ability and his speed, but Lafferty is right up there with him and is arguably smarter about using it. Um, it doesn't just sort of recklessly charge ahead all the time, but um, is, is pretty much automatic with zone entries going down the wing with this. They've moved him to center recently and he's been really good there kind of driving play and um, using it to, to just make a difference in, in all areas of the ice. So um, he, he brings a unique skill set. He's certainly not going to be you know, a top six scorer, but um, he can fill a bunch of different roles and um, pretty versatile. And obviously, like you said, he, he comes at a very low um, salary cap price tag. So I could definitely see him being appealing to a contender out there that's looking to kind of uh, just shore up one little hole in their lineup. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what the return for him is. Um, Luke, R- Luke Richardson recently compared him to Josh Anderson, Uh, which was kind of interesting to me and which I wrote about there because, you know, Anderson was coming off that that really awful season in 2019-20 when the Canadians decided to uh, trade a second-round pick and coincidentally Max Domi for him and uh, way more than anyone expected. And um, is Lafferty going to get that much? Is he going to get a second-round pick in an existing player? Probably not, but um, it could kind of fit the same model in terms of a guy that uh, maybe gets more than – a lot of people would figure just because of um, the kind of style that he plays. So um, it's, it'll be interesting if he is traded to see what he gets.
2: I did want to ask you quickly. I know we're running out of time, but you mentioned Max Domi and a lot of people are asking us about him in the Jets uniform where they acquire him? And then some people in my discussions we've been having about why he's having such a good year in Chicago. And I, I just think that of the the maybe five or six games I've seen him play this year and and the couple against the Jets is he just looks like he's matured. Like He just looks like any compliment you can give a player, no matter what you do or what your job is on the ice, is to be consistent. It looks like he's matured into a nice, consistent player. Uh, What have you seen from him this year?
0: Yeah, he has had a good season for sure. He's definitely exceeded the expectations uh, coming in. Uh, It sounds like he just maybe wasn't in the best place in Columbus, Uh, just didn't really work out wise for him. And um, he just uh, maybe wasn't, couldn't have the, his normal attitude or his normal kind of feisty energy. And he's found that again in Chicago, which has been good to see. He's been certainly given a lot of opportunity. He's been the first line center most of the year. He's been at second line the past few weeks, but uh, he's their leading scorer and um, he does have occasional bouts of um, kind of what are you doing moments. But uh, for the most part, he, uh, he really does bring a lot of energy and, um, has been very productive offensively and uh, has been terrific on face-offs, which has kind of come out of the blue. That wasn't really a, a strength of his up until this season. Um, so I, I think it's if the Hawks do trade him, they'd love to get maybe a second-round pick. Um, I think his value has increased up to that point. Um, but it's also possible they keep him and, and may give, maybe give him a two- or three-year contract to kind of keep him around as um, sort of a leader through this rebuild. Um, he's expressed a willingness uh, to do that. He seems to be really enjoying himself, even though the team hasn't had a lot of success and they are going to have to get to the salary floor somehow after Kane and Taves leave. So um, I wouldn't be surprised at all to see him stay, but if he does go, uh, I think he could, he could bring a lot to another team. I think even last year we saw him make a difference for Carolina in the playoffs and and that was at the tail end of a much worse season for him. So um, I think it's exciting, I'm sure, for other teams to think about what he might be able to bring uh, when he comes in with this kind of momentum.
1: And even though there's a lot of Jets fans that would love to see Patrick Kane or Jonathan Taves in a Winnipeg Jets jersey, I think there's also quite a few Jets fans that like would like to see Max Domi in a Jets jersey because, of course, his dad played for the Jets 1.0. And if you go back to that 2013 draft, Ben, he was taken right before Josh Morrissey, right? at uh, He was 12th overall, if I'm not mistaken, mm. by the Hawks. And then Morrissey went... 13th. So Morrissey's, uh, having a pretty good year, but I think, uh, you know, if you go back, he could have easily been drafted by the jets. Right. So, uh, I think, you know, Max Domi is an interesting one. It's fascinating to me what the Chicago Blackhawks are going to do. Um, because, you know, clearly we know they're, they're in the Connor Bedard sweepstakes. They're not making the playoffs and there's going to be moves. It's just a question of uh, which guys get moved. Um, and as you mentioned, you know, whether they're going to finish you know 31st or, or 32nd. So we, uh, appreciate you coming on before we let you go though we obviously have to have to ask for your super bowl 57 prediction i'm not sure if you have a rooting interest between the kansas city chiefs and the philadelphia eagles but uh what are you uh what are you thinking that's going to happen uh in tomorrow's game
0: i don't have a rooting interest it, it i mean it's going to be a great game i think um I, I think i'll pick the eagles honestly i feel like Mahomes has been a little hobbled um maybe it won't be a hundred percent and um they've they've really dominated so much of the season I feel like Jalen Hurts was pretty good for my fantasy team so maybe I'm a little bit biased with that but uh, yeah I'll pick Philly.
1: I don't know if you knew this Ben but Jim is a big Bears fan so uh, we know that Jim doesn't really care who wins this game but should get that in there that uh, Jim is a proud Chicago Bears fan.
2: I was going to wrap this up, and uh, you joined us on our 680 CJB pregame show a couple weeks ago, and now that you're joining us here on Illegal Curve, I fully expect the Chicago Sun time suite at a Bears game eventually. <laughs> See you there. And feel free to invite me anytime.
0: <laughs> I've ever never even been to a Bears game myself, i got to be honest. It's been pretty bleak for them ever since I moved <laughs> here, so uh. –
1: that's yeah, all good. I think I, I'm our, our good buddy Andrew Hustler Patterson, who does the Winnipeg Sports Talk Show. He's a big Chiefs fan, so for that reason alone, I'm I'm cheering for the Chiefs. But uh, as we talked about earlier, I'm more so excited for the Rihanna uh, halftime show. So, uh, but we'll hopefully get a good game tomorrow. Super Bowl is always fun. So Ben, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, you can read Ben's work in the Chicago Sun Times, the Jets and Hawks nine o'clock Central. You're gonna have to read that work late. Uh, but it's still going to be available in the, in the Chicago Sun-Times. So, Ben, thank you so much for joining us and uh, enjoy the game tonight. Enjoy the trade deadline and the rest of the season. Yeah, thanks, thanks, thanks. for having me. I appreciate it. Take care. You're welcome. Big thanks to Ben Pope of the Chicago Sun-Times for joining us. Uh, we've only got a few minutes left here, Jim, so why don't we get back to tonight's game? I think you know we haven't talked a lot about Uh, the different line combinations, everything like that. I think really the only big change that we're expecting is Mason Appleton. Jets game day skates getting underway in in a few minutes, so we're not going to be able to provide you uh, too many updates, but you're going to be able to get lots of updates today on 680 CGOB. You're going to get lots of updates through the Winnipeg Free Press, the Winnipeg Sun, and various media outlets. Um, Connor Hellbach obviously gets the start tonight, Jim. I don't think anybody's expecting David Riddick.
2: Yeah, I would expect that. I was just, I, people wondering why I keep looking down. I got the lines that you sent, and and from yesterday's practice, of course, they align uh, Shifley with Ehlers and Wheeler, Dubois with Connor and Perfetti, uh, Lowry with Kuhlman and Barron, and uh, Stenlin with Menalinen and Appleton. Appleton coming back in the lineup on the fourth line, as we discussed. We do expect him to go up more, Sipionk, Sandberg, Dylan, Stanley Schmidt, and Capabianco is the extra D man. Um, it's interesting, you know, as this Dylan DeMello injury is something like, I I think they were, I think the Jets were looking to see over the last month if Neil Piong could improve some of his overall play. And Neil Piong spoke to that about a week prior to the break about wanting to get his game back, rounded out. And and we all remember how he handled Connor McDavid in that playoff series and looking at that. That's why I think they're shopping D-man as well as if Piong can get back his game or if they need to add somebody. But if this Dylan DeMello injury is something that's lingering, um, especially if he's, you know, uh, not back now. Now, Rick Bonus said he does expect him. He was hoping to be back now, but he said he does expect him to at least start skating with the team on Monday. Uh, keep an eye on that. If, if he doesn't go into this week and we're two weeks away from the trade deadline, that's a big piece too. But that looks like the lineup tonight. Uh, and again, we'll see what the rush shakes off. And, and of course, we all remember how they went into the break with Morrissey sort of willing that win, uh once he got that first goal for the team and uh, let's and go, Jim. Let's go let's let's get something done here so um i'm excited for the next 30 games i'm excited for what the team will do by the trade deadline or prior but it all gets started tonight and uh, should be an interesting one
1: absolutely and you know when you talk about the, the look of these lines i mean i think carson coolman they acquired from the kraken who of course the jets play on on tuesday night valentine's day that's what i'll be doing for valentine's day i'm not going to be spending any time with naomi i'm going to be watching the jets Kraken game <laughs> and then doing the illegal curve post-game show with all you fine folks the uh, hockey schedule you. has saved me on
2: many valentine's day yeah, no, we'll, we'll
1: still get our significant others flowers <laughs> some and look at chocolate. christmas
2: break some look at this i'm like do they play on valentine's
1: day <laughs> <laughs> yeah absolutely and so carson coolman i think you know just quickly has done Uh, an admirable job on the third line but you expect Mason Appleton to eventually reclaim his position on that third line because you go back to you know the first couple months of the season and you had Lowry and Appleton starting overtimes right like let's not forget about that right like Appleton was arguably playing the best hockey of his NHL career and I think there's a strong argument Jim don't get me wrong to be made that you know Appleton you know going into the playoffs and in the playoffs you'd rather have Appleton on the fourth line and then you'd rather augment that top nine that we've talked about so much with whoever, you know, the Jets end up acquiring. We expect them to acquire a top nine forward. But, you know, I, I think Carson Kuhlman, has, if he's your 13th forward, then that's great. If he's on your fourth line or if it's David Gustafson playing center or wing, I agree with you. I think Kevin Stenland um, is a guy that has really impressed. And it's not like there's been, a, a you know, a, a sag in his play. Like this guy brings it, he's good in the face-off circle, kills penalties, he's got hustle, he's got physicality, he's not necessarily a power forward, but I think Stenland at the very least stays in your top 12, whether it's center and wing, f- figure out what you got to do with with Gus Bus. I and I agree with what you said earlier about Dylan DeMello, right? Like we if he doesn't play Tuesday night, we're not expecting him to miss too much time. But for now, you know, Logan Stanley, you know, he's missed a lot of time, he's getting some playing time along with Dylan Sandberg, And when DeMello eventually comes back, it is going to be between Stanley and um, Dylan Sandberg. And I think, you know, we could have that debate here right now whether, you know, Sandberg is really your sixth best defenseman or if it's Logan Stanley or if it's Billy Hanala. But right now he's with the Manitoba Moose and it looks like he's staying there for now. But how is that going to, how is Dylan DeMello's injury going to impact what Chevy might do bringing in a top top four defenseman? Like I've said this for weeks now and I'm sure you've talked about this with Cameron Poitras on Jets at Noon, and, and you've talked about this, you know, you know, on, on other outlets, like, I think still going into the playoffs, I think the Jets have a good group of seven or eight defensemen, but I think, you know, Neil Pionk's struggles still worry me, and I, I'm not saying that Neil Pionk doesn't have a role on this team. I think he's absolutely, you know, uh, a member of the Jets. I don't, I'm not saying he should be traded or anything like that, but... You know, Pionk hasn't been as good as he was a few years back. And I think, you know, Josh Morrissey has absolutely, along with Dylan DeMello, who's the Jets' best defensive defenseman, I think those two guys have really been carrying the decor. And, and Brendan Dillon's had a good year and everything like that. And I think Dylan Sandberg's had a good year. But I do, you know, look at that right side. And, you know, I wonder, you know, if you can bring in a top four defenseman and then let's say Neil Pionk becomes a third pairing defenseman. Because let's not forget, Toby Enstrom was a sixth or seventh defenseman back in 2018. The yeah. buff, you know, Truba, Meyer Myers year, right? So, and then you brought in, um, who's it, Joe Morrow. They brought him in. So he was kind of the seventh, eighth defenseman. But, so that's something to keep an eye on, right? You've got a tough game on Tuesday night versus Seattle. Then, yeah, you've got Columbus. But then you look ahead a week and you've got those games uh, on the East Coast, right? The Islanders, the Devils. Yeah. I forget who else. They play the Hurricanes. So that's absolutely something to keep an eye on. Um, whether Dylan DeMello is back for Tuesday night's game, he's not going to play tonight because, of course, he hasn't been participating in full team practice. Um, and and David Gustafson, I believe, is also due back quite soon. So it's a, it's got to be a little bit concerning, not necessarily against the Blackhawks, Jim, but when you go up against a team like the Kraken um, and and then into the you know harder part of the schedule on the road on the East Coast against teams like the Devils and the Islanders, I think to play the Islanders twice in a week or something like that. So that's when I would be a little bit more concerned. But I think, you know, tonight, going into this game, getting back to the Jets and Hawks tonight, um, sure, the Blackhawks might be a little bit upset that they've been pumped by the Jets three games in a row. But especially on the second game of a back-to-back, even if the first period is just awful, Jim, I expect, you know, I would put the over-under Jets goals tonight, I don't know, at six? <laughs> well, yeah, I don't I don't
2: know. Like, I, I think this is a game they're going to win 5-2, 6-3, something like that. Um, I could very easily see the Blackhawks getting the first goal of the game and, and, and going from there. But uh, as much as there is going to be rust and, and it's going to be a little sloppy in that first period, I just think it's a matter of time before the Jets also have been chomping at the bit and they needed a break. They got it. It's a long one. Um, I, I also think that they're amped up to play and they want to get going here. So I do think they get a win tonight and, and they should, quite honestly. The Pionk discussion and the DeMello is interesting, but it's like any other position as in my opinion, like, it's not a knock on a player if you find somebody better. Um, and, and yes, Pionk has had a rough season, but if you can bring in a Chikrin, say, you do it. Like, it's it's not a question at all. Um, so I think that that's something that Kevin Cheveldayoff will be looking at. And whatever this injury is, how I look at injuries is, um, like Appleton, we knew the schedule, we think he could have played before, they gave him the extra break, and, and that was done. Uh, you see that. I, the way I look at injuries and what raise my eyebrow and have question marks is when you hope they, they'll be back by then and then they're not. You expect them to be back by a certain time and it's taking longer. That's when I'm always worried about injuries. So I think Monday's practice with DeMello is a very fascinating one. If, if he can get on the ice and take in a practice, he doesn't have to play Tuesday. Um, but if he can get on the ice this week and start practicing again, then, you know, it's a bit of a sigh of relief for me. If he does not, if he does not get on the ice Monday or Wednesday... Um, I think that sort of puts a little bit more pressure on it as well. Um, do I fear going into the playoffs with Sandberg and, and Stanley? No. Do I think you could improve that with some simple moves? Yes, I do. I think Sandberg's on this team. Stanley's been up and down. I like Stanley as a player. I think he's a good, fine five, six D man, but if you can improve on that, I think you you should do it. So um, we had David Pignata on the show from the fourthperiod.com this week, and we were asking him about Chikrin. I, I mentioned the fact that I sat at a game this year in the press box. Uh, it was a game against Florida, and the entire Arizona Coyotes brass was there, including Mark Bergevin, who's now working for them uh, since leaving as a GM in Montreal. And uh, I keep hearing the assets they want for Chikrin is four. They're trying to get two for the player, and they're trying to get two for the fact that he makes $4.6 in the contract. So I don't know if you could chip a Pionk and, and a Hainola and a pick and get Chikran. I think you'd do it. The, uh, the problem is, is what we're hearing, and Pegnato was telling us, was that it's another asset on top of that that is um, taking so long on the chicken. So, But that being said, hey, they're back on the ice tonight. They get some games this week. We'll see where they're at, see where health is at, and and watch for for any moves they might make to
1: try and improve this roster. We should mention, Jim, that Bailey Bailey, are unofficial or maybe official IC intern as mentioning that uh, Dylan DeMello is a non-contact. So no surprise there, right? There won't be Dylan DeMello tonight, but there will be Mason Appleton back in the lineup almost three months uh, after being out of the lineup. And we have the Jets and the Blackhawks, as you mentioned. It's just exciting that it's a Jets game day because it's almost two weeks and – you know, we're excited to have a Jets game to watch, even I was, if it's going to be a little bit late.
2: I was talking about this with Kelly Moore, and and he's been at it a lot longer than me. But in my 28 years of covering hockey at four different levels, I've never had this much of a break. And I'm actually kind of disappointed in myself. I didn't have the foresight to look into this um, because it is the longest break I've ever had in a season when covering hockey. Um, so 11 days is a long time. It'll be good to, to talk some hockey again. The only thing that saved us,
1: as, as you probably know on this show, is there's plenty of trade talk going around during the break compared to other years. Absolutely, and and it gave us a chance to watch the entire White Lotus series, right, Jim? So, I mean, <laughs> yes, that was that was a, that was a bonus as well, and and also let's not forget the Pamela Anderson movie that I thoroughly enjoyed. But uh, I did, yeah, no, we we Canadian. want we want there to be Jets hockey back on the airwave. so Jim, that's going to do it for I us. Got in,
2: I got in that three hour No Time to Die James
1: Bond movie during the break <laughs> too, because I never have time for a three hour movie. So that I watched absolutely. Yeah, you got to fill the time somehow, right? When you don't exactly, have Jets hockey yeah. for a couple of weeks, you got to you know catch up on your netflix and your your disney plus but that's going to do it for us uh jim thanks so much for joining us like drew and dave obviously um you know enjoying some vacation time down in the usa uh they'll be back drew's going to join me tonight on the jets illegal curve post-game show it's going to take place at uh I don't know, roughly 11 45 quarter to midnight and of course also tune in to the cjob pre-game show beginning at seven o'clock and of course the cjob broadcast and then the post-game hosted by Kelly Moore. So, Jim, thanks so much for joining us. I want to give a big thanks to our guest, Sarah Orleski of the Winnipeg Jets, joined us in the first hour, and then Ben Pope of the Chicago Sun-Times joined us uh, about 20 minutes ago. I want to give a big shout-out to our sponsors of the Illegal Curve Hockey Show as well, Rumors Restaurant and Comedy Club, Betway, Dr. Les Rikus, and the team at Linden Market Dental Center, Grid Park, Tough Duck, Boston Pizza, the good folks at Rollie's Transfer, The Keg, Zapia Group Realty, and Seagram's. I got the Fireball 2 going nice. right now. Haven't had any Fireball yet as it's uh, 10 after 11 in the morning. But uh, a Long day, you will. Yeah, it's a long <laughs> day. We might have to pull that out on the on the post. By the show. way, thanks
2: for having me. And before I go, you did an amazing job in that painting behind you. You're very talented.
1: <laughs> I appreciate it. That's what people don't know. I like to do murals. I like to do oil on canvas. Uh, I'm a, That was done during the break, I think. It took you three days. Well done, yeah, I just whipped things up very quickly but okay before we sign off because it's as i mentioned it's 10 after 11 we've gone a little bit late here but we did start a little bit late we started seven or eight minutes late we got to get your super bowl 57 preview pardon me the uh, prediction jim because i know that you're big bears guy but i know that you you have a uh you know you have a, a favorite here so are you going chiefs or eagles tomorrow well,
2: I'm like Ben Pope. I had Jalen Hurts on my fantasy team this year, and he was amazing. I, I just, look, I like the Chiefs. I think they're a great organization. There's so many good storylines of Patrick Mahomes and and Andy Reid, and of course, Hustler, a good friend. Uh, but that's probably why I wasn't invited to Vegas this weekend, because I'm going with the Eagles. I um I just think the Eagles' defense... I don't know. um, As many as the weapons as the Chiefs have, I don't think they can hold off this defense. But it's going to be a great game because it's number one offense versus the number one defense. I question the Kansas City O-line with that D-line of the Eagles. And then on the offensive side, I question the Chiefs defense. I think Jalen Hurts is one of those athletes that I think Josh Allen, as great as he is for the Buffalo Bills as a quarterback, Um, can sometimes, you know, look nervous in playoff games when they get down and stuff. I I think Jalen Hurts is more of an athlete like Michael Vick. Like when the the big lights shine, he gets better. I know he didn't have a dynamic game last uh, in in the conference championship, but he has been injured. I think Jalen Hurts steps up. I think the the, um, Eagles offense has just as many weapons and can do some damage just like the Chiefs offense can. Um, So I'm going with the Eagles and I'm going by 10 points. I think they win by 10 or 13 points.
1: I like it. I, I just hope we get a good game. And I think that's what most people are hoping for. Right, Jim? We just want to. It'll be like a good game. People. I don't think yeah. it's going to be a dud. And then what you got to love, though, is that, you know, these are both the best teams record wise from the regular season, right? right? Both 14 and three. So there really happens. isn't an underdog. So Jim's going with the Eagles and I'm going with, with the Chiefs just because of Huss. Huss is a big Chiefs fan. I love Huss. He's my brother. Um, and I hope he has a great time down in Vegas and he enjoys the game. And obviously, we're going to enjoy re. Well, one thing well.
2: we know for sure, Huss has never
1: n- not had a great time in Vegas. So no, Unless yeah. the Chiefs lose, this yeah. will be the first one. And I told Huss, Dave Manouk is in Vegas. We've revealed his secret identity. So yeah. he was in Vegas last weekend, and he's in Vegas this... I don't know what Dave's he? Do. Yeah, he, like, how do we get this Dave Manouk lifestyle where we get to go to Vegas? The only place I'm going tonight, uh, you know, is, is my basement to watch the Jets game. So <laughs> uh, tune in to the Illegal Curve post-game show. It'll be the Drew Mandel and Ezra Ginsburg experience probably around 11 45. And as we mentioned, tune into the CJOB 680 pregame show beginning at seven o'clock. And then you'll hear hear Paulie Edmonds and Jamie Thomas on the call and then tune in to the uh, CJOB post game show with Kelly Moore and friends. So Jim, thank you so much again for joining us uh, today, Anytime. filling in our ACE pinch hitter, our ACE in the bullpen. Um, and thank you everyone for watching us uh, before you, You'll log off, hit the subscribe button, hit the smash the like button, and uh, we'll talk to you in, uh, I don't know, about uh, 12 hours or so. Thank you, everybody, for watching, and have a great afternoon. Bye, everyone. Thanks for listening to this broadcast from
0: Illegal Curve Hockey. For more great Illegal Curve content, subscribe to the Illegal Curve YouTube channel, follow at Illegal Curve on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and visit your online home for hockey in Winnipeg, IllegalCurve.com.